Ladies and gentlemen, may I present for your intellectual and philosophical pleasure Ron Fez on Raw Dog Serious XM Comedy Hits Channel 99 show and Chris Stanley uh, doing a theme week with I would only say on the nose songs to represent each day yesterday we had Manic Monday Mm -hmm. today Tuesday we have Ruby Tuesday by the Rolling Stones is there a song tomorrow called make Ron angry or I'm gonna finally end the bit and I want to apologize if Wednesday is in the title of any of those songs, yes. This is a song, Ruby Tuesday by the Rolling Stones, and I'm sure it was a big hit when it came out. I'm going to guess 66. Yeah. 66, 62nd, I'm going to say. 67. It came out in 66. Shit. Okay. So... If Earl was here, I'd hand him the fucking title. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold on to the title till he gets here. But this this song annoys me now because I only think of the restaurant change Ruby Tuesdays. <laughs> they co-opted it, but I did. I think of uh, Children of Men because it was in, it was featured prominently in that. Film. I only saw that movie uh, once, but I'm glad to know it was featured prominently. <laughs> however, you said prominently. Yeah. With six fucking M's. Um. All right. It is the Ron Fest Show. Please take off the Tuesday song. Thank you. Uh, you know, speaking of songs, do you remember when the Canadian went up in space and then he did Space Oddity? Yeah, Hadfield, yeah. Well, David Bowie gave him the rights to that song for one year and just let them play it. And then the year was over, and now Canada's mad at David Bowie. <laughs> For not just giving it away forever. Yeah. Well, yeah. Hey, this is Bowie's work. He's he has he has a piece. It's well, that his. was my point. Canada, you have more money than Bowie, I'm sure. <laughs> Pay for it. That's in Canadian dollars, though. He has like those fucking British pounds. So what? There's an exchange system. You don't like Canadian money? I wish I, I had a fucking room full of it. 
The Canadian $5 bill has kids playing hockey on it. Like yeah. children playing hockey on a fucking lake. It's stupid. All money's made up. It doesn't matter what's on there. There could be a fucking picture of Patsy Weber fucking waving from the Cunningham's house. <laughs> no one, within fucking two days, everybody would have okay for it. They'd be going like this. Let me a fucking Weber till tomorrow. No. Look, look, the back of the dollar bill is badass. It's got that cool triangle with the eye. I don't even look at it. It's fucking stupid and it's sometimes, old school. Sometimes I do look at it. To Illuminati. I don't even have a dollar. That's what it is. I mean, that's what Jay-Z says, and he tends to be right. Um, so the, uh, so the whole thing about this is they feel like he gave them a present, right? Yeah. And now they're perturbed that he didn't give it to them forever. <laughs> he gave them something for a year. And they're like, oh, come on, dude. You can just let us fucking have it. Everyone knows it's out there. We know you got money. <laughs> so, you know, the YouTube is down. They should have just watched the shit out of it while they had the chance. He should it sue them. It was great, though. Oh, it was badass. He should sue the shit out of Canada for just giving him guff. <sighs> I don't know if you can do, like, a guff suit on anybody. <laughs> Up on the iBank today, you know, I'm a big fan of one-hit Wonders. Who's your favorite one-hit wonder? Oh my god! Of all time, I th uh, I'm gonna have to say the Spin Doctors. Spin Doctors are my favorite. See, one. I don't think they're a one-hit wonder because they had FM radio. I know you only listen to top forty stations, but if you listen to uh, FM terrestrial radio, there's probably three rockets off that, not just two little princes. I, love princes. I, I, I think of a one-hit wonder. More along the lines of you came, you went like here's one on the iBank, Wild Cherry, uh, and their famous hit, Play That Funky Music, White Boy. Um, somebody wrote in, Pepper Open with the Beatles, and I thought to myself, oh shit, which one died? So play a little bit of the Wild Cherry here. Put the fucking sound up on the Wild Cherry, Chris. Thank you. that long to get to the hook uh, but if you go over to the iBang now they give the follow up song to this hit so let's pull this fucking hit down and go to the next one no one I think heard this we'll check in it now this is like what the thing that they were hoping would be the follow up hit and didn't make it and it's called Baby Don't You Know Turn that off. Yeah, we that funky music. And we were looking so good, yeah. Yeah, this electrified a funky feeling. What's coming now? 
Let's try to sound as much as we can like the song before us, and it would have worked out. Uh, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. These are kind of follow-up misses. Break it down now. Uh, we'll move on to the next one. Here's uh, Lou Bega. Lou Bega. Now, Chris, you remember him from your favorite song, a mambo number five. Loved it. My anthem. That was your party song. You, when you were heading out to party, you would start just singing mambo number five. Let's check that out. Ladies and gentlemen, this is mambo number five. Rutherford is the guy who put us to put this uh, bit together on the iBank for us. Uh, and this is, of course, Mambo Number Five. Now, what you may not know, but he had a follow-up miss uh, to Mambo Number Five. It seemed like it should have been a, a big, giant hit. It's tricky, tricky. <laughs> She likes a man only for a while. She likes success to your bank account. She likes dollars. She likes British pounds. She likes money only in high amounts. Baby's cool. <laughs> she knows what counts. She likes to pay with credit cards, ride expensive cars, stay in the president's suite. <laughs> and every day she's looking for a man who gives her more to satisfy her needs. She's a soul shaker, troublemaker. Now, I'm stunned this wasn't a major hit, Tricky Tricky. Lou Vega. Lou Vega <laughs> should have had a string of hits. Just a nonstop destroyer of pop music. Instead, Tricky Tricky blew up on the launch pad. Um, we keep moving along here. Uh, now, here is one. He went all the way back. Uh, let's go to number nine. Uh, number nine here. This was a 1960s hit, all the way to the top, Chris, uh, by the Lemon Pipers, uh, called "Green Tambourine." All right, 
Now that's when, you know, they're in the pocket there. They're riding the dragon, the billboard dragon. Let's see their follow-up. Rice is nice. It should have done... I mean, first of all, it's got the kind of <laughs> universal thing. Because I know a lot of times when I'm eating rice, I'm like, this is nice. Mmm, delicious. Yeah. And the world eats it. Sometimes I even call them nice crispies. That's a fucking way of fucking with the cereal. You know? That's my thing. All right, so this is the one that didn't make it. Rice is nice. We have a Sergeant Pepperacker. We just listen to staying true. And when I get all the wrinkles up here, till I still find some rice in my hair. Rice in his hair. Why? Weddings. You know that they just throw rice at netting weddings? Never been to wedding. Well, they used to throw rice at the bride. You've seen it in movies, right? Oh, I thought that was more like confetti. Why would they throw confetti? Who would fucking Rip Taylor get fucking married? It's a celebration. Well, they used to throw rice, and then they found out that pigeons would eat it, and it would blow up in their stomach and fucking kill them, so then they started throwing seeds and shit. And now they don't throw anything because the weddings are too expensive. All right, so rice is nice. Did not make it at all. Hey, uh, Gary in Brooklyn, you're on the Run of Fed show. Morning. Hey, buddy. Uh, I had a wall of voodoo Mexican radio. Yeah, what was the follow up, though? Oh. See, that's the fucking game. That's, that, that's the game that we're talking about here. Of course, we all know Mexican radio was a gigantic hit. But what happened to the wall after that? They must have had a dream of a follow up. No one ever says to themselves. I think I'm happy with the one hit. They should have tried tacos are nice. Yeah, it doesn't work. Take it down because we'd have to have that follow-up song. The follow-up song. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Let's go over here to number eight. And that, uh, of course, was Soft Cell, Tainted Love. This this made a decade feel good about themselves. For I toss and turn, I can't sleep at night. Once I ran to you. the follow-up hit, which is called Say Hello and Wave Goodbye. Very confusing <laughs> title for Soft Cell. In a suit Well, it just wasn't me You're used to wearing less And now your life's a mess So insecure, you see I put up with all the scenes 
days And this is one scene that's going to be played my way gigantic kid. It's perfectly danceable. The music video is much worse, I'll tell you that much. I like Tainted Love's whole Roman feel. Mm -mm. It was perfect. It was a great video, it was a great song, and somehow, I'm going to say America dropped the ball in this one. <laughs> What do you think the record company did when they fucking came back with this? What the yeah. hell are you guys doing what out the there? Fuck? You're hot right now. You're throwing it away, soft cell. Can I call you soft? Because I've been in this business a long time. And this is a mistake. No, somebody actually had the green light to this fucking song. Alright, let's go over to well, go to number seven. This is well, this is probably the biggest German fucking hit ever in America. N 99 Love Balloons with our little Nana, the girl who let the people of the 80s know it's okay to have hairy armpits. Sam, Sam, you're on the Ron Fed show. Hey, how's it going, guys? Yeah. Good. Um, so, Sir Mix a lot, of course. Baby got back, and I actually put it on the glass. Was a hit. Put it on the glass was a legitimate hit. Oh uh, come on! A legitimate fucking hit. It got play. Put it on the glass. That was for those titties. Anyone who, <laughs> anyone who's ever fucking chopped rails in a titty bar, has heard. Put it on the glass. Uh, here's John. John, you're on the Ron and Fez show. I actually got two of them. The one's kind of junk, but it was the uh, the guy was Informer and his song was Snow. Um, but uh, we'll jump to the next one, which was the better one. Uh, Steeler's Wheel, Stuck in the Middle with You, out of the Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, Steeler's Wheel, Stuck in the Middle, but what did they use as uh, their follow-up hit? <clears throat> See, that's the you... fucking problem of this game. I throw Steeler's Wheel out there in a heartbeat, and I'll never turn that song off. No, of and not. I sing it whenever I cross uh, Park Avenue and I'm stuck in between the eight lanes of traffic, I give myself a nice fucking song. And but without the thing, why are we run into it, Chris? Um, 
Let's move down to. Uh, so we did 99 Left Balloons, correct? Yes. We need to Let's try their follow-up, uh, Just a Dream, is the American version of it. It's just not as fun when she's not singing about Armageddon. Ken in Rhode Island. Hey, Ron, how you doing, man? Hey. Good to talk to you. Um, so when I think about One Hit Wonders, I think about Tommy Two-Tone, Jenny. Bigger than life. Five three oh nine. Yeah. Follow-up. Two years later, get around, girl. Uh, no one's heard it, and if you hear it, you'll see why. All right, now, the Jenny song, Massive Hit. And right. he, then it took him two years to have a follow-up song. Yeah, well, that's part of the problem right there. And then the one he followed up with wasn't exactly a killer. Do right, you have that, Chris? Yeah, I got the follow-up. All right, let's take a little listen to Get Around Girl. Stays right in the same in the same wheelhouse at least. All right, thank you so much, Ken Shane. Eight six six. Let's go over to Don. Don, you're on the Run of Fez show. Uh, yeah, I was thinking about uh, Looking Glass uh, Brandy. Yeah, but then they and did then, have somewhat of a follow-up hit to that, correct? It's it's minor. The Jimmy Loves Marianne, but it was a minor hit. I, I think it got. I know it got airplay on the East Coast. Yeah, and, and and to me that keeps you out of the real, true, one-hit wonder. Like you know, Ken just was saying about the Jenny follow-up. None of us could have come up with it. You know, no, they even after we heard it. Very close to the brandy sound <laughs> that made them they America's favorite sons. <laughs> yeah, they were called America's favorite sons by the President of the United States. That time, I believe it was Nixon. <laughs> Come on, get to the hook, looking guess. There's a reason they don't call these boys hooking glass. Come on, boys, hook this fucking thing. Here we go. Coming up. Here we go. Right, boys. It's the summer of 
This is literally why we couldn't beat Vietnam in a war. Because this is the type of music we were making during that fucking war. You know, every once in a while, you do something like this, and a giant star wants to jump in and uh, be part of it. I believe part of the new Californication spinoff show, Mr. Jim Florentine. Jim, how you doing, buddy? Doing well, doing well. Hey, what about Lisa Loeb? Lisa Loeb, who, who was in here not too long ago and looks fantastic. Really, really adorable. I don't... The, the song that she first hit for was in that movie, went to number one, and I don't even think she had a record deal at the time. That whole You Said song. Is that the name of it? Is it Stay? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's Stay. Play a little bit. Stay, yeah. Yeah, no follow-up to Stay. What was this movie, Chris, with all the kids living on the edge there in Houston? Reality Bites? Yeah, trying to fucking deal with adulthood. <laughs> Look, they just graduated. They got a fucking deal. Um, Jim. Oh, he hung up on me. He crushed it on uh, Californication. You know, he told us he had the thing on there. It was on for almost the entire episode. It's fantastic. Yeah, it was great. He kind of played... He didn't want to be called a pimp, but it's the guy who goes and collects the money and makes sure no one, you know, beats up the girl. Driver slash security? Yes. I mean, I, I'd still stick with pimp. <laughs> I guess your parents would probably have to tell their friends he's a driver slash security guy. Uh, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. From this point on, I just want to hear from big comedy stars. That's the only people I won't call in on this. Um, here's Brian. Brian, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie. How about uh, Harvey Danger, flagpole sitter? See, flagpole sitter, Harvey Danger was one of those groups that, to, to their fans, they're an album band. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was racking the internet. I can't find anything else on them. That, that was well, sweetheart of the rodeo or something like that, right? They, they came back together in like oh four, yeah, nine, a few years. ago. I mean, to me, this guy's got an amazing voice. Sad sweetheart of the rodeo. All right, play a little bit of that. This is this this is the song America should have embraced. And no more California champagne. Not another saddle tramp. You should have been all over this in the late 90s. Uh, instead, they turned to Marcy's Playground. Uh, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Chris, did you happen to catch uh, the Seth Meyers get-together last night? I did not. I did not watch that. Well, he was getting together with some friends, and they were having some laughs and some music. Oh, nice. And the Counting Crows were on. Now, Adam Duritz has done our show before, right? Yes, yes. How would you describe his hair? Um, oh, wild. It's crazy. Is it his? It looked like his to me. I mean, I was I eight feet away from him. I would say the same exact thing. 
People said to me, he wears a wig. I go, no, I met him. That's his hair. Then I saw his hair on TV last night, and it did not look like it could possibly be real. Oh, no. I mean, all I could... All I, I, maybe TV makes it look false. It looked 100% real. It looked like that was the man's hair. It did. I was staring at his head. I don't know what else... I mean, come on. Now, when you see the close-up of him here, because he also did a, a very uncomfortable uh, interview with Seth first. He's not a comfortable guy. He was very nice. I mean, comfortable here. I thought he was a great interview. Uh, I don't know why they're not showing the fucking lead singer. He's hanging out in the back. So hanging around is what he's doing. <laughs> I mean, I immediately went to Twitter, and people were claiming, wig, wig, wig. <laughs> I'm trying to think about the hairline from last time, before he's in here. I think it could be just TV making things look wig-like. Looking a little wiggy. But I think, uh, yeah, it's the way the stage is lit. It's There's a light coming right down on the top of his head instead of in front of him. Yeah, but he had done the interview before that, too. I mean, it was during the interviews where people were really popping on him hard on Twitter. That Twitter is not a nice place for people. It's a guy named Gladiator Pit. All right, we're talking about the fizzle for the one-hit wonders because no one sets out to be a one-hit wonder. Here's Stephen in Virginia. You're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, the uh, video killed the radio star. That was a one-hit. Well, this is the band that will always remain famous because this was the first video played up on the MTV. This launched MTV. At that point, MTV hasn't been turned off since then, and they let us know it. Now, their follow-up hit was called Living in the Plastic Age. Now, the weird thing about that is not even MTV thought we need to play Living in the Plastic Age. You'd feel like they felt like they owed the Buggles a little something. They were done with them and their fucking crazy future talk. Yeah, except for every goddamn anniversary, they go pulling it back out again. Hey, Ron. Yeah. Thank you for saying Buggles, because uh, whoever answered the phone corrected me and said it was Bugles. Who's answering our phones? That's Andy, who's filling in for the interns today. I Good job, Andy. This should have been a monster. This should have been fucking Godzilla. Dave, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey. Yeah. Ronnie. Remember yeah. Gary Newman and Cars? Of course. Didn't he have something, I die, you die, or something like that after that? I'm not sure what the follow-up was, but I just read an article the other day, Gary Newman's new album being praised everywhere, and he's got this kind of 
they they claim like a cool cult following, and I guess quite a few of the electronic dance kids are into him in a big, big way. The follow-up to Cars was Complex by Gary Newman. Mm. Heavy, huh? Weird. I, know, I feel like I'm fucking I'm my acupuncturist. <laughs> but I always feel like that. Trani. Um, here's Mike. Mike, you're on the run of Fetish Show. Mike, we got you, buddy. Sorry, sorry. Uh, it is the run of Fetish Show, and we're kind of doing the follow-up hits. Now, this was a gigantic hit uh, by uh, a band. That you love very much, Los Del Rio, Chris. When they came out with Macarena, God, you said, "I'll never stop doing this dance." It's just the greatest dance of all time. Yeah. It destroys everything else. <laughs> Now, the great thing about these guys is they, you know, they were a little long in the tooth when they got this hit. You know, you're not normally getting your first hit in your late 50s. There was no reason for them to be in the video. Now, okay. they followed up with something I thought should have should have been a grand slam, and that was Macarena Christmas. <laughs> it's fucking smart. It is, because you're taking two things people love, Christmas and Macarena, and you're making Macarena Christmas. Look, now we're kicking in the Macarena. <laughs> All right. I'm in a Christmas dancing mood. Now, this guy, Chris Gallagher, says, he wrote to us, it's definitely a wig. Adam Duritz has admitted that it's a wig. All right, if that's true, find us the place, Chris. Don't just say it. Find us the place that he admits that it's a wig. Because, like I said, Chris and I were in the studio with him for a half an hour, and it looked like natural hair to us at the time. It looked genuine, dude. I mean, I was, I was staring at it. <laughs> but last night, it was awful big and thick. <laughs> I mean, it looked like it would have taken a lifetime to get to that point. Maybe maybe it's not a wig, but added on to hair. Just, some, you know, maybe he wants to put oh, it over extensions. the top. Exactly. I think it might be a dye job making it look fake. Like, maybe he really darkened it so it just has a really unnatural black look to it. I don't know. But I'm, I'm guessing extensions and it's real here. He just wants to, you know, make it stronger. You can't blame him for that. No. You can't, you can't uh, make anyone think I, I wouldn't want a great big giant wig. <laughs> uh, Brad, Tallahassee. 
Uh, good afternoon, gentlemen. I got one, uh, another crappy dance set, Gangnam Style by Psy. He followed it up with maybe all Korean music sounds the same, but he followed it up with Gentleman, which sounds just like Gangnam Style. Now, Gangnam Style, I think, was the biggest download or YouTube or something of all time. Biggest YouTube hit. The first YouTube video to get to a billion. Psy uh, got 700 million. <laughs> right, so that's a, that's a fucking monster hit. Yeah. And, and this this fucking uh, uh, music video like launched that stupid app Candy Crush because it was in this video people started playing this video game and now that company's worth a billion dollars. What's with the crotch of his pants? These they're, they're like um, it's very loose. It's like there's like extra fabric. So like so like, the, like you, so you can, you're free to shit yourself. Exactly or dance Gangnam style. All right, gotcha. So I, needed, I didn't know that you needed so much Gangnam in. So like the crotch of the pants is down, so it goes like from knee to knee. This video just beats up women or something. It's weird. I think I like it better than Gangnam Style. I remember I'd be walking down the street and just see people Gangnam Style in there for a while. It was a magical summer. It was. Summer of Gangnam. What do you think the, the summer is going to be? Is it going to be the summer of Joe? The handsome vault. Is it going to be the summer of Tito's? I'm feeling the summer of Tito's, to be totally honest, because I'm such a fan of Tito's vodka. I also think it could be the summer of the return of AIDS. Jesus Christ, it's fucking downer. Or the summer of Super AIDS. <laughs> what Super AIDS? You don't even have to have sex with anyone to oh get it. Oh my God. I have to invest in gas masks. Matt, you're on the Run Fest show. Hey, Ronnie. Yeah. How you doing? Uh, yeah, so I got one. Uh, Somebody's Watching Me by Rockwell. Well, that's the greatest song of all time. It's a good one. It's got that yeah. book by Michael Jackson. I'm just an average man with an average life. I work from nine to five. What's this one, Chris? This is Rockwell. Which song? Somebody's Watching Me. Okay. And then we're going to get into the song Obscene Phone Call. And that's young Mike singing, huh? That's hologram Mike? Yeah. You like the hologram? I thought it was too elaborate. Call me crazy, but I thought adding You're fucking all fucking crazy. <laughs> you got what you wanted. I thought it was just... I mean, Tupac, it was just Tupac. You know, like when they brought, broke out that. But that was that whole crazy set. Has someone put the Tupac versus Michael Jackson yet? Has that video shown up? Not that I know of. I haven't seen it, no. Good evening, Mr. Let's get a lookout for that. Because I think we could go fucking gangbusters on that fucker. And make people vote. It should have been a hit right here. What's it called, Operator? Obscene Phone Caller. Okay, I can't take any more. All right, now that you got these holograms, right? Yeah. How long before you think they do, like, I don't know, a Doors tour, where you just go out and see the Doors, but it's just holograms? I'd say that it, we're five years away. Because when as soon as the um, as soon as the, the Tupac one came out, that company went out of business, like, immediately. They, they pulled that off, and then they shut down. But now that they're coming back, that was been about a couple of years. It's not the same company, though, right? Yeah, so now other companies are springing up and realizing. Yeah, but I saw a hologram, I don't know, like, it was a fucking cat or something, at a Japanese show that people were dancing and singing to and they were going crazy for years ago. 
The Japanese are advanced that way, but and also they, they, they'll buy into it more. I think it's going to take a while. I don't know. I saw everyone buying into it last fucking the other night. Those fucking stars were crying looking at his hologram. That was a bit much. I was calling them hologram tears. <laughs> Here's a weird hologram from Japan. It's like and, Sailor Moon. Yeah, it's like a Sailor Moon whore. And what year is that, Chris? This was uploaded four years ago. Thanks. So fuck you, Michael Jackson. <laughs> If I could go see a hologram tour of anybody, it'd probably be Decker from Blade Runner. He <laughs> doesn't fucking play music. I know, you just fucking play rock <laughs> while he's up there doing the Deckard. Just shooting. Is there one hologram fucking show you'd go to? I'd, I'd like to go. I'd, I'd go see a Warren Zevon fucking hologram show. It's so fucking ridiculous. <laughs> I, uh,. I would make fun of this, but I know I've been to the fucking seen laser light show at the planetarium while I was fucking high. Yeah. And I thought that, that was fine enough because two things. A, you're fucking looking at lasers. And B, you're kind of laying down while you're doing it. It's relaxing, you know? It's, very, it's much more relaxing than a concert. Uh, Ron in Michigan, you're on the Ron Fez show. Hey, I got one for you uh, that uh, from the 70s, Rick D's uh, Disco Duck, and he followed it up with, uh, like, Disco Gorilla or something. I'm going to be like totally that. honest. I've never heard Disco Gorilla. I've heard Disco Duck. Yeah. I think that went to number one and was just, you know, beloved. It's Disc Gorilla, not even Disco Gorilla. Disc. That's a mistake, but let's take a listen. That should have been bigger than Disco Duck. All right. The stuff that people are saying Adam admits to wearing a wig. Um, but the site looks like a fake site. <laughs> that people, they plant, uh, claim Rolling Stone link is the source. And then that link is a dead link. And in a search of Rolling Stone, turns up nothing. What? No, he's never admitted to any of that. And I've never even been part of it until... Last night looked pretty fucking extreme. Yeah, the interview. The side view of his head. Pretty fucking nuts looking. Well, I've known some balding <laughs> guys who have used their dreads to cover up. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, right, it looks like a helmet on the Seth Meyers interview. It does, right? I mean, it just it moves as one uh, piece uh, together. Um, all right, to people calling with no follow-ups should not be even allowed through. I know it's too much to ask Shelbo to keep an eye on that over there, but the whole point is you've got to have something to follow up with. Rob, you're on the Run of Fest show. Rob. Sound like a million bucks. Hey, buddy. Um, I got a good one. Baltimore, you had a huge hit. Tarzan boy falls up with a dive jukebox boy. All right, Tarzan Boy was the big hit. What year are we talking about, Rob? Oh, let's see, 83? All right, 83 with the big hit Tarzan Boy, uh, which was my nickname for Chris Stanley for a little while, too. No, 
this is a song that taught America how to dance and how to fall in love. Now, you would think to yourself, what do you do next? You got to either keep Tarzan or Boy. I think he made the mistake by keeping the boy and going with Jukebox Boy. Weird. I would have did Tarzan something. I probably would have did Tarzan Rilla. I made a little bit Gorilla and a little bit Tarzan. David Columbus, you're on the Run of Fez show. Black Oak, Arkansas. Jim Dandy, and then I think they did Hot and Nasty. Um, yeah, well, let's go to Jim Dandy first, because it probably is the greatest song in the history of the planet Earth. And take that from the beginning, Chris. Don't even fucking jump around on that shit. You're not Jeffrey Gurian, goddammit. You're a Black Oak, Arkansas fan. This is the greatest song, and this should be, if anything, the national anthem in the United States right now. Uh, and that guy kind of looked like David Lee Roth, pre-David Lee Roth. They were another band that had Confederate flags all over the place. Seems like a band that would. Yeah. Always wanted this song to be played on Eastbound and Down. <laughs> Uh, this is one for you, Chris, that came in. How come um, Donnie Dumfrey never had a follow-up? <laughs> he had a couple hits, okay? There was Having a Time, there was Cry Tunes, and Donnie Dumfrey in the pub. <laughs> but nothing, I mean, Having a Time was the biggest song that ever happened to Canada. Get me script, and you know what that means. 1200 grits. Drop down the nine sitting next to me. I'm weighing Graham, she's watching Jeopardy. See, I get some inspiration from the movie Dune. Best order wasn't good, see, it was Booka Boom. Donnie, Donnie, Donnie. Brenda, what do you want? Take us for a ride, take us for a jaunt. Honda 50, get her on the go, get her on the grass. I don't mind on the front, I don't mind on the back. Stop at the shop for a loaf of bread. Spent all our money on Nevada's instead. Cheery. This is if Chris Stanley grew up in, in fucking Canada. Here we go. I wouldn't be so inclined. Cause I'm not freaking around. And I'm just having a time. Having a time. Having a time. That's what I said. I'm just having a time. Breakfast. Having a time. The last I heard, they were going to do a movie with them. I heard the same thing. Yeah, that they're trying to work out. <laughs> what are we waiting for? I'm at middle age. You got me. All right, enough. I can't take any more of that. Okay, okay. That's like being fucking killed after a while. I wonder how Brenda's doing. I bet she's big. <laughs> if I had to guess. Uh, Jay, you're on the Run of Fez show. 
What's going on, brother? Yeah. My uh, my ex fiance's father, Doc Robinson from King's Harvest, had Dancing in the Moonlight. Fantastic and song. And then the follow up was Wichita Lineman. He well, was a, he lived off of that song until he was dead. Lived off it forever. Now, what kind of money was coming in every year? It, it wasn't a lot. He got uh, it was he'd probably get like six seven hundred bucks a month off of it because it was played. It, the song's played constantly. Yeah. Hear it all the time. Well, it's the greatest song of all time. Yeah. Chris, what are we waiting for? This is an unbelievable song. This is him singing lead? Yeah, there's Doc Robinson, yep. Dave Doc Robinson is his name. He just went and covered Wichita Lyman after that. I guess that's all he had in him was the dancing in the moonlight. But if you're going to fucking sing, if you're going to have a one-hit wonder, make it that fucking great. It's enough, you know? Like, yeah. have that in you? Give that to the world? I just like uh, be just doing this every fucking day. Oh, you know that song, Dance in the Moonlight, right? Yeah. That's me. That's the doc. Really? Yeah. I... Just fucking pulled in 700 last month. <laughs> Still fucking cruising. Shit, like a social security check. It is. It is. I love to have something like that going down. Here is out of sight. They don't bark and they don't bite. They keep things loose. They when we break here, it's the Ron Fez show. We got some people coming in today. Reggie Watts is stopping by. Um, and Kevin Allison is going to be here too. His uh, risk show is being done at the Pit in New York City. That's uh, March twenty seventh, nine thirty. May twenty seventh. May, because we've moved on to May now. It's May twenty seventh. Uh, risk is a chance to sit around. People tell stories. That they wouldn't have never told before. That could get rough. Yeah, it gets weird. I know you were searching around for you. You want to try to top them. I have some terrible stories. That's playing into his game. That's playing into his game. <laughs> Am I just becoming part? I'm just. Yeah. I'm doing what he wants. Yes, exactly. He's getting you to risk yourself. <laughs> well, I love the board game Risk. Fez has some fun trivia facts he was saying about him too. It is the Ron and Fez Show. We'll break here and be right back. Big guest stopping in today. Ron and Fez. Ron and Fez on Raw Dog. Serious XM Comedy. Hits. Channel 99. It's the Ron and Fez Show, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 
Uh, big, big arrest out in Hollywood today. A guy off the TV show The Shield uh, killed his wife. And apparently he did this with his two kids still in the house. And he shot her. Now, Chris, I imagine you've fought with your chick before. Everybody has fights. Could there be any instance that you ever thought you were close to grabbing a gun <laughs> and shooting? I mean, for this just to break out, well, the guy got to be 40 without shooting her. At what point do you think I can make life better? By putting a bullet in this woman, blasting her away, and she's gone forever. I, I can't. I don't know what the woman would have to do. We, he could just leave and get the fuck out and and, and cut her off. The best thing that you could ever do the re the reboot, the middle aged reboot, which really you don't want to miss out on the middle aged reboot, <laughs> where I'm done with my wife, my house, my kids. I am done with that, and I'm living above an auto parts store. In a studio apartment thinking about what I'm going to do next. If you haven't got to that point, how are you alive? I mean, it's the only way to really live is to just fucking blow it all up. Yeah. And see, it's really a test of yourself as a person to see, can I, can I actually get back up on my feet? Can I do it? And now, finally, I got some good stories. So you're telling people, no, I used to have a fucking boat. Yeah. I had a summer house. <laughs> no, I wasn't always living like this. I wasn't always a fucking security guard at the mall. I used to fucking have a lot of shit in my own business. I'm a person, people. Look, I've lived a life. But at what point do you get that fucking angry? I mean, all right, even if he would have thrown the blender through the fucking window, and you're his neighbor, you'd be like, that guy's a fucking asshole. But if you hear fucking shots blasting... You're like, what could possibly happen over there? There's nothing to warrant. Because it's a situation you can always walk out of. Right. It's not like it's a war <laughs> where you have to shoot the other person. You get so fucking mad. Now, here's the thing. You know this asshole wasn't strapped at the time. He probably had to go into his fucking bedroom, into the drawer, load it, fucking walk back down the hall, point it and said, you... Are you do you think I won't fucking do this? That's a good five minutes of just pure rage. Enough time for something to click in your head. Notice your go, kids are home. Right. I don't want to do this. This isn't This isn't even planned out. <laughs> this gun is supposed to be for protection. Instead, I'm just going to murder my wife with it. Fucking maniac. And I, I, I don't know this guy. Like I, I didn't watch The Shield, but I'm guessing he doesn't have like a crazy like any sort of other history of violence here's bradley bradley in new jersey hey guys what's going on listen uh I, i'll preface by saying i don't condone those kinds of actions but i'm in a situation personally with going through a divorce because my wife is doing everything she can to not let me be around our kids hiding behind attorneys and everything else so while i get it I totally get it. I personally wouldn't do it because I know the difference of right and wrong. But I get why somebody would do that kind of thing to their spouse. All right. Get so it. you are, seriously, you are so fucking uh, angry. 
with her that in the back of your mind you could understand how someone could fucking blast another person. This person who, who you at one time loved, and I imagine she loved you. How did you get to this point that there's hate? Because because she's doing. I I wanted out. Right, it was my idea to get the divorce. Right, but but so we have two young kids. Therefore, she's taking them, and and do, she's she got her own mental issues, in my opinion. But she's doing everything to prevent the kids from acknowledging me trying to see me she doesn't veer outside of what's been appointed by courts and everything's temporary at this point she's doing everything in her case in her in her power to keep the kids from me all so, right so, so it it seems ahead. to me that you're going to eventually come up with them i hope so and i know at the end of the day i know at the end of the day that things could work out to my favor the bottom line is i want to be with my kids right yeah. so I'm, I'm not stupid enough to do anything to um, affect that. To me, it sounds like the perfect excuse not to hang out with your kids. You could write them a letter and say, look, it's not my fault. I wanted to take you to fucking Goonie Golf. But I can't do it because of your mom. All right, I'll see you when you're 18. Or 20. You don't have to rush over. Um, all right, Kevin Allison has this uh, show called Risk where people tell the most horrific stories that they ever could that they've never told anyone else. Uh, And he does it in this show called Risk. It's a podcast, and it's a live show. Uh, You can see it in New York City, May 22nd, at the pit, 9.30. Let's bring in Kevin Allison. Is in studio with us. He it's just destroyed. Yeah, the studio. he just came in like seriously, so punk rock. I could not believe it, and he's tearing our mics apart. That's the way like Marilyn Manson comes into a room. <laughs> um, now, risk the live show this Thursday, May twenty second, at the Pit in New York City, nine thirty. But you're doing this in L.A. as well. Yeah, yeah, we do risk once a month on the fourth Thursday of every. Uh, month um, and uh, it's in New York at the Pit and it's at Nerd Melt Theater in Los Angeles. Now this gets done the same night. 
It, yeah, I've got different people who host it out there uh, at Nerd Melt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so we have all kinds of people who do the show. A lot of like writers, actors, comedians. People get up and they just share stories that they never thought they'd tell in public. Now, these are stories that people they feel better after they share. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a case-by-case case yeah. basis there. <laughs> Let's just say this. I go... I'll just say I go to some super-secret meetings, yeah. which is, you know, people 12-step, uh-huh. and you get to hear Hell yeah. amazing stuff. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, there is, uh, you know... When people bring to us certain stories that follow a similar trajectory, like addiction or molestation or something like that, I'm like, all right, but it's got to be special. (laughs) (laughs) But but believe it or not, most people do have a very special little angle, something about it where you're like, I've never heard that before. They have a story, but most of these stories have to do with their own shame, whether it's something they did or was done to them. Right. Or things that they've been told you shouldn't be talking about. About that in public, you right. know. So some of the stories are just hilarious, you know. Mm. I mean, like, oh, you know, someone pooped their pants in the White House or something. Yeah. Uh, but then others of them are like devastating, you know. Yeah. You're just so it's kind of an emotional roller coaster ride. The podcast and the fans love it for that. You know, right. sometimes you'll have people write in and be like, "Geez, man, I was going to work. It was an important meeting, and all of a sudden I'm listening to someone try to murder her mother." Right. <laughs> yeah. You really like a lot of things in life. You have to plan your your high around this. You know what I mean? Like I've, you know, there's uh, uh, there's certain times that you're like, hey, the night's going to set out this way, and then it doesn't. Exactly. You know? So yeah. that's life. Yeah, I, I think that the show does a good job of like kind of mm-hmm. reflecting that. Yeah. Now your story is you were kind of in a dark place before you start to do this. Yeah, I had been. I I, I was on in a group called the State. We had a legendary. Sketch. Thank you. Yeah, we had a wonderful show on. MTV uh, when we were 23, 24, 25. Mm-hmm. And then um, then when the state was no longer, I didn't know what to do with myself. Everyone else was in these little cliques in the group. Yeah. And I had always been kind of like the black sheep was kind of wandering around. So I just didn't. And also I was extremely fearful. I was just like having been on TV with such a competitive group of people right. had really kind of scarred and scared me and made me think, oh my God, all comedians are, ter- are not terrible. I, mean, I dearly love the members of the state. <laughs> but, but other comedians aren't that bad as those guys. <laughs> Not Michael Ian Black bad. <laughs> Actually, you know, it's funny because Michael Ian Black, who always had the persona of being, you know, the biggest like prick on the show, yeah. um, over the years has become like one of the sweetest guys. And he is really the guy who encouraged me to do Risk. Um, because what I did for about 10 years starving after the state broke up was I would do these character monologues on stage. Mm. And he used to say, you are such a freak. You are such a, you know, your kinky lifestyle and everything is so Mm. out of control. You should just get up on stage and tell stories as yourself. And I always said, oh, it's just Hollywood would never go for that. I'm too weird. You know, I said, it just feels too risky. And he was like, well, that's the word. Go with that. Now, see, this is the interesting thing that you said. I think that 
we're so afraid these days when we do the bullying and don't say is because I think the people who go don't bully the weird kids are ashamed of the weird kids. <laughs> I come from a time and place where the weird kids would be like, "Fuck yeah, I'm a, I'm a fucking freak. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, you know." But I when I hear people going, "Oh, don't pick on that kid or whatever," I think they're kind of ashamed of those kids rather than saying it's cool yeah. to be that weird art student or whatever you happen to be. Yeah, you it's, know, it's weird how those things go in waves. But mm-hmm. yeah, we're at a very. We, it's funny that we are at this kind of frightened time, at least in the it, yeah. it, out there in the big public sphere. But that's why it's so nice that there's shows like ours where you can say whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. Well, I talk about this with. Uh, a, a lot where now that you have this thing where gay people are normal gay people are normal when i was a kid in the 70s it wasn't fucking normal it was like hip it was bowie it was fucking Iggy. you know what i mean you were like that's fucking out there let's go to that fucking show but now we're trying to suppress that extreme behavior i'll tell you that's exactly when i was i was so aware that i was gay from day one like mm-hmm. i was putting it together when i was still in diapers so my experience of look in cincinnati ohio understanding what gayness was was yeah. looking at time magazine and movies and stuff like that and seeing what people were doing in New York. So now I'm I'm still like I say I'm I'm a big old 1970s queer because because I'm, I'm the guy who's always looking for like the e, you know the back room right. with the Crisco and everything like that and and all the younger generation they're all like no 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 we want a white picket fence and to get married yeah I'm we like, want to be what? as dull as everyone that you initially moved away from yes exactly. god damn what is going on and you know what I think that there will be another curve there will be a curve yeah. where you know. In ten years, a lot of guys will be like, "Oh yeah, fuck marriage." <laughs> right? When the divorce passes, even you know, we're even at the at the point now where I think they were surprised how many people didn't run out to get married. You know what oh, I mean? Oh yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yes, plenty did. Well, women get married yeah. like crazy. They're just fucking lining up constantly. But you know, it's almost like lesbians now are hipper than gay guys. You know what I mean? Like, they've got a scene going. I hear you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, and it's, you know, well, that is one of the things, one of the reasons I got into the kink community a couple of years ago, and which is very anathema to most gay men. They're like, you're going to be a place where there's all sorts of women naked playing around. I'm like, yeah. yeah, because we're more pushing the envelope like the gays were when I was 20. Yeah. Then, you know, th- there's this community now that's kind of like, you know, trans, straight, bi, whatever. Just all the freaks now right. <laughs> together at these camps and stuff. I'm going in a couple weeks. Um, well, when you see, like, the Warhol stars, you know what I mean? Yeah. Where they would just actually say, we're fucking stars, and this is the scene, and then people said maybe they're right you know maybe there is something happening there oh yeah you know that was really an interesting wacky fucking scene absolutely they lined up and you know it's like a very good friend of mine is a bisexual guy who says that um it wasn't until he was like uh 16 or so that he someone said to him oh you know david bowie was just talking in rolling stone about how he's bisexual he was like wait 
what's that? And he, he was like, oh, so <laughs> yeah. David Bowie taught me what I am, right. he says. <laughs> and it is, you know, it is true. And and oddly, some of that was even marketing, like uh, Angela Bowie said, you know, I think if we put this out there, it's going to be, you know what I mean? Like, mm. it's, it'll, all, it'll eventually be, like, cool for our career, <laughs> yeah. you know? But the the thing is, how much of any sexuality do you think is is choice like there i i would even think that straightness is somewhat of a is, is a real choice yeah well you know what's so tricky and confounding about the whole thing is that when i did embrace when i finally like took on that label oh i'm kinky and right. oh i'm polyamorous those kinds of things then all of a sudden i began to think oh well if, if i'm saying i'm kinky then i should start officially exploring parts of kink or polyamory that i've never tried before right and then all of a sudden you're like, oh man, this, they warned me this is a Pandora's box, just like, you know, smoking a joint might yeah. be leading you to heroin. And sure enough, I've discovered some kinks and I'm like, whoa, I, I like that. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> but a lot of it is, I'm like, wow, that kind of feels like that's always been dormant in me too, you uh -huh. know? Yeah. It is, it is weird. I have no idea what that line is between nature and nurture, but I think most people suppress a heck of a lot right. of what's going on inside. And most of the time, because we were taught very, very young. Yeah. Suppress. Exactly. Start suppressing now, dude. Right. Suppress that shit. That's why role play can be r really fun and like, what is going on? And then it can also be scarring. There's a story on Risk. Uh, her name's Melina Williams. She's a black lady, and she got into what's called race play, which is where you deliberately have one person acting like they're a superior race. So she got together with a guy who was from Tennessee and could do a real redneck accent well, and and uh, they did this scene where he was whipping her like she was a southern plant plantation slave. Uh -huh. And it lasted for hours. And she kind of she went into a sort of headspace where she forgot about safe words and started to just forget. She wasn't on drugs at all. Uh -huh. She just started to forget that this wasn't reality. And it ended up being very traumatic for her. Something wow. that she took months to like get over again so you know it's fascinating to see how sometimes that kind of stuff can go places where you're like whoa i opened a can of worms it really <laughs> exactly. was dangerous <laughs> exactly and really your show risk is kind of kink you know what i mean like hearing other people's stories yeah, yeah yeah i mean i don't know i remember being a kid uh, when you would get a penthouse, and by the way, no kids would think that this right. was exciting, but I would always be like on forum for way too long, and I'm like, why? There's naked pictures, but I'm reading these confessions that are probably made up, yeah, you know. And that's a, a, the a kind of an original thing that got the internet started was people just being able to put stuff out there, yeah, you know. I think that the internet is really like where underground stuff started to come above ground, you right. Know? Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Like this whole phenomena of there being like a... Th and, and then there are people in the kink community who are like, oh, maybe we should have a pride parade and everything. And I'm like, no! No, no. <laughs> no we don't want to be accepted ever. Accept us! Well, that's always the funny thing about coming out. 
uh, you know, they make big things for gays to come out. Yeah. But no straight guys ever come out to their moms and say, I like a finger in my ass. So, you know, <laughs> right, right, right. You don't have to get that <laughs> What I like to do is jack off on her face, mom. That's my thing. So the, the coming out is almost too much information. Yeah, yeah. You know? Right, right. I remember my, my, my dad said that to me because yeah. a couple weeks after I'd come out, I said, we haven't really talked all that much about how I came out and everything since I did. And he's like, we don't sit around talking about your brother's heterosexuality. <laughs> it's true, right? <laughs> it's so fucking true. It's a very mm. strange thing. But acceptance has gotten into a weird, weird place. Uh, and you know, your show is doing really, really well on the internet. You've got hundreds of thousands of people, but you're never going to be mainstream, I don't think. Right, you know? yeah, because of, like, I teach storytelling as well, mm -hmm. and I I just had to bite the bullet at one point and say, all right, there are some corporations that are going to say, we don't want to deal with you because of stuff we've heard you say on the internet. You know, yeah. and I'm like, well, that's, you know, I've got two different brands. One's clean and one's right. not. So some people are going to find out. But yeah. I mean, I, but I think the whole thing of being accepted mm -hmm. by everyone mm -hmm. is just almost so much bullshit mm -hmm. yeah. these days. And, and, and I think that we're in this weird phase because, you know, back when the Republicans were in, in control of everything, yeah. there was a lot to be outraged about. And we were out outraged on a daily basis. Now, you know, it's mostly Democrats in control of things. And now it's all liberals are outraged at each other for Oh, you said this or that. Right. It's very PC right now. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, and we're not supposed to see anything that's different. Yeah. You know I mean, we're supposed to. I don't know what they want us to do at a certain point of just act like whatever is happening is normal. You know what I mean? There's no, it's like, what do you want? All the food to taste the same? Maybe it's because we were like generations now raised on fast food where, you know, hey, it's not all that good, but it's comforting. Right. And, you know, it's, it'll be done soon. Maybe that's what we want every relationship to be, you know? Kevin Allison uh, Allison is in studio with us. He's got the Risk Live show Thursday, May 22nd. That's at the Pit in New York City at 9.30 p.m. Also happening the same night in Los Angeles at the Nerd Melt Theater. That's risk-show.com for all the information. Now, from a performing point of view, I think the coolest thing about this is that you've more or less invented this audience yourself. And I always think that's the greatest thing that a performer can pull off is something didn't used to exist. Yeah, well, you know? It's kind of a trip because I was never really a part of that whole The Moth sort mm -hmm. of storytelling scene, which is like a very NPR-feeling way of storytelling. So I, I, I literally have never been to one of those shows. Um, and when I started the show, I just thought, well, I, I, I did what Michael Black said. I started getting up on stage and telling crazy... Like, the first story I ever told was about the time I um, tried to prostitute myself right <laughs> before the state was uh, picked up. Didn't didn't do very well. It wasn't my line of work. <laughs> or at least not that kind. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, so I, I just thought, I mean, 
in the beginning, it was just me asking comedian friends because that's the people I knew. But then eventually, fans of the show started like bringing in their own stuff. So now it's this just weird mishmash of people who are well known, people who mm-hmm. have never been on stage before. So it's really kind of an interesting thing. It's like its own little phenomena. Yeah. Right. Well, I had talked. Um you know, I brought up that I had to fucking 12-step because I pushed things so far. But the weirdest thing, I think, for me, have, being a person who was an addict, is that I always thought that it was so sweet and awful at the same time. I thought oh, it was yeah. elegant. You know, I thought it was me, Jack Kerouac, Miles Davis. You know what I mean? And then to go into those meetings and hear people's stories and find out that you have a lot of in common with a grandmother or a teenager. And it, all of our stories aren't quite as unique as we even think. You yeah, know? yeah, They yeah. follow whatever Homer set up many, many eons ago that these are the human stories we tell. Absolutely. You know? like- I'll have people, I'll, you know, tell a story about some crazy thing that happened to me, like uh, being tied up by some guy. And I'll have a straight guy write into me like, dude, I've never been through anything like that before. But the emotion you described that you went through there, that really got me because that reminded me. You know what I mean? Right. Everyone can kind of like on an emotional level, start to understand each yeah. other. Yeah. And I think if you're someone who that's, let's say a person who's paralyzed by being shy, you don't really understand that most of the people at the party are shy to a, an uncomfortable amount. Yeah, you know? and are fighting. And yeah, fighting, it fighting it all it. the time. Yeah, for sure. And you know, another thing that I've learned, like when we first started doing Risk is, occasionally someone would come up and say, well, I mean, it's not risky at all what I have to tell about. And I'd tell, oh, this yeah. is a really shy person. But their story's still going to be interesting because you can hear right away, oh, right. this is a really shy person. So what's risky for them is just different. You know, yeah. Her story was about how she once dared to play charades in mm-hmm. high school when she had never said a word like the entire year. You know, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's different for everyone. And those people don't understand the power they have by saying, I'm up here in front of everyone and I'm really afraid immediately the bravery factor that everyone's looking at them with like this is amazing yeah yeah it it opens people up yeah i remember um janine garofalo came on the show very early in the show's history and at one point she was talking about uh, things that she obsesses over and then she looked out into the audience and she said and that guy in the third row is looking at me like he hates me and I'll be up at 3 o'clock in the morning thinking about him. (laughs) Right. Right. Comedians have a tendency to find the one person not enjoying the show and allowing that in. That's the one that they allow in. Well, it's the same way if you read anything about yourself online or whatever. Totally. You will completely believe you know some shitty awful person yeah. before the the genius people yeah you'll you'll look past 20 raves for oh here's a guy who yeah <laughs> well that's the thing about storytelling is you've got to be able to tell the story properly and this this goes back to you know people sitting around a fire yeah Somebody was going to get more fire time than other people Mm -hmm. because they were more entertaining. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And you know what? It really is 
kind of like improv, one of those things that the more you do it, especially if you do it with a little bit of feedback or a little bit conscious of some of the things you're doing over and over again, that you just get a lot better at it yeah. over time. Well, I think what most people could understand, if they were better listeners, I think they'd be better storytellers. Absolutely. Like, like a lot of people are, are like, well, I want to take a storytelling workshop, but I don't want to sit there and listen to a bunch of other people and critique them all the time. It's like, no, 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 no. That's yeah. going to be half of the instruction there is learning how to identify in other people's stories what's going on. For me, in your family, find the grandmothers as old as they get. Yeah. Sit next to them, and you will find out shit about your family <laughs> that no one will. I mean, you talk about risk because they've given up on, you know, caring or whatever. And they'll be the first, like, that's not your real cousin. You know yeah. that, right? Yeah, like, yeah, what? Yeah. 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 That was, you know, it was always like, that was your mom's first husband, huh? <laughs> what? What? And that's the, that's the beauty. Like, imagine that, I think, is the wisdom that you learn as a person. So the closer, the earlier in life that you get to whatever, yeah. you know what I mean? That's it. It's out there. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Now, you came together with the state. You guys were all in your early 20s. It's amazing uh, how many people in the different directions. I mean, that, that show kind of exploded. Pieces come back together, you know, but yeah. it, it really is like physics when you take a comedy physics. But how did that happen at such an early age for everybody? You know, it is the, the weirdest thing that what actually happened was that there was a group called the Sterile Yak at NYU that mm -hmm. was kind of like an official comedy club that the dean would approve of. Okay, you're doing auditions and they're getting new members each year or whatever. And then Todd Hollebeck was like, well, why don't we just create a comedy group on campus that doesn't have to follow any campus rules? So he put up a flyer saying, let's create a new group. And he, he did auditions and I think maybe... 20 people, 25 people auditioned, and he cut it down to 11. And the group was pretty much those same 11 people crazy. for like eight years. <laughs> it was just this dude randomly auditioning people and putting, putting them together. But the chemistry of the group was just immediately almost weirdly uncannily like mm -hmm. fantastic uh so the group really became a family and was i mean in college we were literally living with each other we started right. getting in each other's dorm rooms and stuff like that yeah so we became super super close and by our junior year we were just like yeah screw film school let's just make something happen with this which was a silly thing to think mm -hmm. but we made it work it's a crazy story. Yeah. It's really, really insane. And everybody's pretty much still doing something in the business today. Yeah, well, except for Todd, who founded the group. Yeah. He's now in uh, South Korea teaching kids how to do conceptual art. He's a professor of wow. art. Wow. Yeah. So he's a trip. He was uh -huh. always a trip. But yeah, everyone else is. Um, in fact, we're talking we're always talking about getting back together but this year i think it's really going to happen uh at least for a few live shows uh we're hoping on the coast wow that'd be fantastic yeah, yeah. when's the last time you performed live with those guys like that um probably five or six years ago out in uh, los angeles mm -hmm. uh and 
what we would really love to do is a project together. Sure. But we've just never been able to figure out how to make it match each, each other's schedules. Mm-hmm. I've always thought that maybe doing a, an animated show would be an idea. Right. Because no one has to be in the same place at the same time, you know? You get to write separately, you yeah. send stuff in, <laughs> and everybody's like, You never I, have to see yeah. those motherfuckers. <laughs> 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 like, oh, yeah, here's the two Michaels pulling that same shit after 20 years, you know? Right, exactly. <laughs> like, we always say, well, when we get back together, we're a lot older and wiser. And I'm like, no, no, no. no. We go right back. Because that is that is family. That's how family works. Yeah. yeah. It is weird for me. I noticed, like, even going back, I'll see people in my family go back to their seats around the dinner table. I'm like, are we still at this age? It's so funny. Yeah. Kevin, Kevin Allison's with us. His next Wrist Live show is going to be this Thursday, May 22nd, at The Pit, the People's Improv Theater on East 24th Street, New York City. That's at 9.30. Same night, same show happening in L.A. at the Nerd Melt Theater. Uh, for all the information, go to wrist-show.com. When you're performing this stuff live, how is it different than a mic podcast type deal? Oh, that's a great question. Like, I, because we do both kinds of stories on the show. Mm-hmm. We, do, we do radio-style stories, too. And I found that when I made this, because I started off just telling live stories, telling mm-hmm. stories in front of audiences. But then there was one weekend, like two years into doing the show, when I went to Fire Island, and I had just gotten divorced. I had been with a guy for nine years. And, uh, well, actually, we're not technically... I'm still legally married. So, because neither of us wants to pay the $500 to get divorced. But anyway, we had just, like, called it off. And I went to uh, Provincetown and had this, like... One of those weekends where you meet someone and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm head over heels within 24 hours. You know, like a ridiculous, like, no, you're on vacation. You know? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but anyway, so this, and he was just a kid. I mean, I was like 40 and he was like 19. So totally ridiculous vacation scenario. Um, but he was really, really mean to me on my last day there. So I left so devastated and hurt feeling. And I just wanted to get it off my chest. But I was like, well, I don't have a therapist. I was like, but I do have this little recording booth in my living room. So I sat down and just started telling the story as if I was telling it to the Risk audience. And it was more intimate than anything I'd ever done in front of a live audience before. So I talked to... uh, Marin about this, Mark Marin, and he was like, yeah, he was like, there is something about that, about being in a little room, where if you can tell, you can do that sort of work, and then go out and do stuff in front of live people, live audiences yeah. again, you'll find that, you know, the the more intimate ways that you've been just there with a microphone will start to bleed into your work with an audience. So I think that's a, that's a, uh, there's a lot of value in that. There's sure. Just telling a story to like an audience that's only in your head, but you feel like you're in this safe little. Well, there, there's always the danger in the audience to go please them. You know what I mean? Please yes. them. Get that yes. laugh. Good. You guys are staying with me and now I'll be a little more serious and I'll give you the laughs exactly. that you're looking for. But do you, when you sit in a room like this, do you imagine that there's an audience no i usually imagine that i'm talking to a friend yeah you know what i mean yeah like like i'll i'll have someone you know specific kind of in my head if anything yeah it's always surprising to me and i've been doing this a couple of decades and that you know some people say you know how you're always picturing the audience out there and i go i never have in my entire 
career. Yeah. And it's always surprising. Normally, like, I'll meet a famous person. I'll go, I listen to your show. I'll go, that's, that would have fucking thrown me off. You know what I mean? Like, that's weird. <laughs> you know? Because <laughs> I don't expect that at all. So that's always the thing of, I think, the, the that has to do with focus, with this stuff, the people that sit around and wonder, mm. hey, am I keeping the audience happy? Do they be better off in marketing? You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what's funny is that uh, some people are obsessed with th the live shows of Risk. Some people come mm -hmm. every month to the live shows. Um, and I actually find that there's something more interesting for me personally to listen to the recordings afterwards right. and then just cre recreate the show in my mind, you know? For some reason, I love that theater of the mind thing where it's like the listener can fill in whatever he or she wants, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, how many people are at these shows normally? and How big is the audience? Oh, well, the pit only seats like 120 people. Mm -hmm. um, but sometimes we'll go and, I mean, we do, the, we tour a lot with the show and like when we were in San Francisco last it was like a 400 person house so and that changes it tremendously yeah, as well yeah yeah it does it does then you 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 always feel a little bit like you got oomph it up yeah and and it has to do with the energy of those people i don't think people realize how important they are to any show mm -hmm. that they go to whether it's a rock show a play comedy that those people change the experience just by viewing for everybody for sure for yeah. sure yeah yeah, <laughs> Eddie. I just saw Eddie Izzard, and he's so funny the way yeah. he's always reacting to little things that happen in the audience. He's uh, he's doing weird next level shit, man. That's <laughs> 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 was way way out there stuff that he's doing, and he's also doing like thirty marathons in thirty days. Yeah. I mean, he's just a crazy man. He is, and he's so. Smart and he's so funny and he's so self-aware and at the same time I think he was the the first performer you know as far as doing the cross-dressing thing mm -hmm. to not even feel a need to explain it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that is phenomenal <laughs> I mean to me there's no bigger lesson that you try to tell people hey if you accept yourself everyone's going to accept you yeah he's the guy for that yeah absolutely i i do, and i i think that i think that a lot of people have learned that telling stories on risk that for example this this one young woman came to us and she wanted to tell the story about how she was molested from like the age of 5 to 8 by an older family member and it was brutal it was mm -hmm. the first recording session she was in tears i was in tears and i said look i'll send you home with this recording because no pressure listen to it see if you still want to do this we ended up having a couple more recording sessions and it got even more brutal but when we put the whole thing together afterwards she said you know i've been in therapy for 10 years talking about that same thing but Having worked on it with you this way where I'm like, no, I'm owning this and I'm mm -hmm. talking about it and I know it's going out to the world. She was like, that was just the most cathartic thing I've ever done with it. You know, that kind of, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm admitting this. So what? It's right. part of who I am and now I move on. Yeah. And what was she doing with that with her therapist over so many years? That's what always makes me curious about the therapist experience that you get to go back, kind of scratch that itch. Mm -hmm. 
and that's it. You know what I mean? Like, there's almost some comfort in bubbling these stories up, crying, and then going back and doing it again and again and again with a therapist. Yeah. You know what? I don't know. I, I, I haven't had a therapist in years because I tried it a few times, and it just didn't work for me. I think it's just like a marriage. It's like, you've got to find the right person. I had a, a Jungian therapist when I was 30, and at that time, I was just like... At wit's end, I was like, this acting, this performing thing isn't working, and I wanted to run away. Right. So I was good enough at manipulating her to get her to say, yeah, you're right, you should definitely leave performing. And she she even said, yeah, comedy is frivolous. (laughs) 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 So, yeah, it's, you know, it's tricky. I don't know how... People make it work when they really do, you know, a good therapist. But, you know, if someone said, I had a breakthrough, no matter what the situation is, why would you even doubt? If this woman said telling the story in this way is a breakthrough for her, I mean, that's kind of amazing when you think about it. It's kind of amazing. And victimhood, we'll go back to that bullying thing, that we pay so much attention to whenever we were victimized Mm -hmm. when we were younger. Mm -hmm. It's almost ridiculous how much we care about it. It's focusing on yeah you're you're right like keep, mm. keeping the wound right. nice and open right <laughs> yeah that's it keeping it open but but cuz i think we're supposed to believe that it's kept open like i used to get punched and everything mm-hmm. in, in my neighborhood and people my mom and dad were they were just like this is something that happens punch back mm-hmm. whatever you do so i have like zero guilt about being beat up any of those places but if someone would if i would have got molested i'm sure they would have taken it way further and i'd be holding it as it's precious i talked to some people they're like uh, a kid in the third grade hit me and i'm like yeah and i just think you hold on to that as if it's precious because you were taught Yes. You know? Yeah. 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 There are. There are definitely like because it's a person to person thing. Right. It's, if someone's been through much worse than that, you you mentioned. Yeah, I got punched in the face. And right. It's like, yeah. What the? Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> but it's just like when you find out like. <laughs> Italian guys don't know they're gay because they're not called gay there. No, right, they think right. as long as I don't know, it's not anal, it's not gay. And this, you know, so, and they just accept it, and uh-huh. that's like I'm a straight guy. I mean, yeah, me and my friend we jerk each other off, and sometimes we blow each other, but that's it because I'm straight. But it's kind of like they have the same rules as Americans. Only they, you know, they their parents just said, "Here's where the line is." Right. Right, here's, right, right. Here's where the line is, and here's the place to feel shame after that right, line. Right, right. That's amazing, yeah. And it's all right. kind of made up, you know. Or a, a lot of times I think the feelings that we follow are the ones that we were told to Oh, absolutely. Follow. Like, I was just thinking yesterday about the fact that I have so little shame around sexuality that I think I replace that with just shame about cookies and beer right. and, you know like I've always got to feel guilty about something right uh, it's just that there was a part of my psyche that was like no I like sex too much to feel shame about that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well I haven't made, I've, I've embraced cookies the same way <laughs> but, but that is because I do know people who will feel awful 
if they break a diet rather than just go, well, that was yesterday. Yeah. What do I give a fuck? Yeah. <laughs> I think the the stuff that you're doing is so cool because I think it can be done somewhat on the internet with people using fake names. But I don't think that's the same thing as bringing the tribe together yeah. and telling stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the anonymity on the internet is is can be a really right. you know, lousy thing, the way that people are throwing stuff back and forth and you're like, well, who are you? You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Stand up and own it. Right. Yeah. But at the same time, is showing your asshole the same as creativity? That's the, always an interesting thing to me. Because reality TV show, uh, you know, the Kardashians and the, the Housewives, they prove they have no shame. Yeah, You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. But it doesn't exactly make them Lou Reed, even <laughs> though they're more famous. <laughs> I, I think we can all agree. <laughs> yeah, no, there's definitely something to be said about, like, like, for example, I'll sometimes have people come in with an agenda. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I want to tell the story about what an asshole my husband, my right. ex-husband was to me. And I'll be like, oh, well, you know, I'm not necessarily here to serve your ends that way. You yeah. know? So, yeah, I'm always hoping that people have a little bit of, like, uh, something, un- you know, are digging a little bit deeper than just tell. Unless, unless it's just purely hilarious. If it's right. just purely hilarious, that trumps that's everything. great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would agree. And people, you know, I, that's always the funniest people to me. If I can listen to some right-wing guy who's still making me laugh, that, you know, my problem with Fox News is they don't make me laugh enough. Yeah. If they could be more interesting... And less just saying the same thing over all the time. But there's plenty of people that I disagree with 100%. Yeah. And I'll go, wow, that's really funny. I may have to rethink this entire thing. Because <laughs> you brought up a really good point about the the political correctness is not even owned by the Christian right, where you think would own this thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're pretty good about letting people, you know, beat up on Jesus and jokes and mm-hmm. shit, you know. But the the left has gotten so precious mm. with everything, which I think can really be a problem for people who have the NPR audience. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. That, yeah. So I, you know, like, I still look at like shows like uh, uh, This American Life as, mm-hmm. it, as an inspiration. But uh, I remember early on, I started listening to it to get a feel for, okay, so what am I doing that they're doing differently? And um, uh, Ira Glass sometimes will say on there, I have to warn listeners that the next story acknowledges the existence of sex. <laughs> That's like some legal thing that he has to say. He it's has like, to wow. point out to everyone. <laughs> I uh, saw, uh, who did they, oh, I saw Randy Newman. It was basically with an NPR audience, and they all made sure that they laughed at the same time in these songs. I'm like, we all know these songs, they're fucking 40 years old. You don't have to properly laugh where they belong. How were, how were they doing? They were they like, I was just like, ha, ha, oh, there, right, you know, right, 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 right. You know, oh, Oh, you know, when he's doing the nigger thing, we get it because he's playing a southerner, so that's amusing. We're laughing at southerners, not blacks. Right, you know, just right, calm right, right, down right, right, right. and enjoy rednecks. It's a fa- it's a great song. 
<laughs> Risk Live Show. It's happening this Thursday with Kevin Allison at the Pit on East 24th Street, New York City at 9.30 p.m. Also, the same night, it's happening in Los Angeles at the Nerd Melt Theater. And you can check out the Story Studio workshops at risk-show.com. Where are you living now? Do you live here? I live in Queens. In Queens? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm right beyond Bushwick, which is now becoming the new hipster. I always move into a place that becomes cool, and then I can't afford it anymore and right. have to leave. I'm getting further and further <laughs> from Manhattan. Right. Yeah. Well, I always, yeah, I've always had this thing of really, if you look at bad neighborhoods, we parachute gaze into them. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> start the clubs, start the art galleries, the coffee shops. Then finally, like, oh, we'll give that place a new name, and then the black people are forced to move out even further. Yeah. I, I, I it's the way that Manhattan is just changing so yeah. quickly is just becoming so corporate and everything is scary. To it me. is frightening, yeah. but it's really frightening how, like you said, even a Brooklyn neighborhood yeah. switches so fast. And I, I, you know, Spike Lee was out complaining about mm-hmm. it the other day, and I know. Uh, Harlem is getting so white. You know, mm-hmm. you're up mm-hmm. on 125th Street, and it's starting to feel like Little Italy or something. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, there's the Apollo, but what's surrounding it? Right. But it's really weird that we kind of taught generations of kids to not fear black people. So now they'll get off the subway anywhere. You know what I mean? Like, they're not like us. <laughs> I, I grew up to very much respect people's neighborhoods. These 18-year-old white kids come into the city and they're like, oh yeah, I'm doing great. I'm living in East New York. I got a place. What? And they're like, you're fucking crazy, dude. But they change these neighborhoods uh-huh. now. Man. Thanks so much for coming in, dude. It was really a pleasure. Oh yeah, man. it was a pleasure for me, too. And we'll have you back in again sometime if you do it for us. Awesome. I'd love to. Two Risk Live shows happening this Thursday on the 22nd. One in New York City with Kevin Allison at the Pit at 930 on East 24th Street. And happening the same night in Los Angeles at the Nerd Melt Theater. The website is risk-show.com for more information. Vegas. It's the Ron and Fez show. Ron and Fez on Raw Dog. Serious XM. Comedy hits. Channel 99. This show is available on Sirius XM On Demand. Go to SiriusXM.com slash On Demand for details. It's the Ron Fez Show. Kevin Allison was just here. Uh, the great Reggie Watts will be coming in in just a little bit. But, Fez, you were saying that you were, would you say intimidated by Kevin or? Yeah, absolutely intimidated, 100%. Just the gay adventures he goes on. But you acted like they were almost a turnoff to you. Yeah, yeah. It's because I so even I know he didn't get into a lot of detail, but even what he was talking about about being tied up and that sort of thing. Yeah, I was just thinking, no, I can't be the gay that Kevin Allison is. 
There is no way I could put myself in those situations. Now, I noticed you were ganging up your live reads, and I kept waiting for you to jump in, but you didn't want to, huh? No, no, I didn't. Well, I didn't want to just, I didn't want to turn into Kevin Allison, take me under your wing. Why not? Because I don't want to go to do the things that he wants to do as a gay man. Were you afraid that he was going to say, I'll take you to this place, it'll be great? I'll take you to a dungeon, I'll take you to some place that's going to make me really uncomfortable. You went to a dungeon with Paul O, didn't you? We loved it. It wasn't exactly a dungeon, and I knew how to get out of the place. Well, I'm sure there'll be properly marked exits at whatever dungeon you go to. You always have the code words, no more gay sex, please. <laughs> so for a gay guy, you're turned off by gay sex. No I, no, I mean, gay sex, I mean, I watch enough of it I'm in porn. So I'm not. Turn- Can I give you a hint here? What's that? And I've told you a long time ago. Turn off the porn. It'll send you out to the streets. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, you never fucking see like uh, a great coxman, Warren Beatty. <laughs> oh, I sit around, watch a lot of fucking porn, and jerk off instead of going out and fucking being with hot chicks. I have my Brazzers account, and it's getting really hot this Ooh, month. Brazzers. <laughs> oh Christ, the, the amount of fake tits that I look at. I'm quite the coxman. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not. As long as the porns satisfy me, nothing else is going to happen. You'd be better off going out with that Kevin Allison in the streets. Get wild. I know he likes some decades younger than you, but still. I that, think maybe that, he would really go for the kink extreme. That was be, the one time where I thought I felt connected with him, where he thought he fell in love with a 19-year-old during a week's vacation. Now that I could see happening. Right. Okay. See, <laughs> Fez is the normal guy. That's what he wants to be, the normal guy. When he said the white picket fence gaze, mm-hmm. I thought, well, I guess, yeah, he's describing me. I've never seen you with a white picket fence. No, I but I saw you with a yard. <laughs> I don't own any property. So, um, yeah, but that was more of Ugh. that gay as opposed to the run out to Fire Island gay. Run out to Fire You see Fire Island as a dangerous thing? I've never been there, so I don't know what he's doing out there. <laughs> God. Or having a good time picking up nineteen-year-old. I don't know what goes on there. It's what you want? You want young dudes? You have to go to fucking Fire Island. Pick them up. He doesn't want young dudes. He would have done it by now. <laughs> um, Scott, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, Ronnie, he did a great interview, and he was super freaking interesting. But, man, what an opportunity for Fez to come in and interject and, and just be able to maybe even talk a little bit about his experiences, and he just does nothing with it. Like, I don't freaking get it, man. What the fuck? Well, you feel like Why you haven't it? had any experiences, is that it? You had nothing to add? I don't have any experience. I don't have a story to tell at the Risk Live show. I think you were uh-huh. laughing extra loud, and that proved that you were in the room, though. You know, you did the like, unmasked yeah. laugh on him. Oh, that may have happened. Yeah, that happened. You don't have a story about the fact that you've pretty much known you've been gay for a long freaking time, and you can't, you know, like you could have added so much to it, but instead you just sit back in the corner. You just want nothing well, to well, do. Let me just say this for Fez. He didn't know he was gay. I mean, people had called Fez gay for 20 years before it dawned on him. At least 20 years. And he goes, no, I'm just waiting for the right girl. One with a big cock and some hairy balls. <laughs> but really, you didn't know, you would always no. say you weren't gay. No, and like when we moved to Miami, I thought, you know what? I'll find a nice Cuban girl down there. 
And, and anytime, anytime, he was any, so gay by that point. Oh yeah, and any anything that was new, I always thought eventually there'll be a girl that I fall in love with, and that'll so be. So when he was talking about people being so shy, you couldn't you couldn't add in like, hey, I'm. I don't think I don't think that Fez is shy. Fire Island. I don't know what I think he's repulsed by gay sex. I don't think he's gay. I just think he likes being just whatever. I'm gay, and I would think I would enjoy gay sex, but. That seemed very deep end of the pool for me, what Kevin Allison was talking about. Yeah, but the shallow end of the pool seems deep to you right now. Yeah, yeah, I'm still, uh, I haven't even dipped a toe in yet. So might as well jump into the deep side. What happened when you jumped into the deep side? You started drowning. <laughs> a strange ride to save Why me. Why not just kick yourself around the shallow end for a while? But I think at the point now, you've known, you told me you were gay, what, five years ago? Yeah. And in five years, he hasn't done one thing? He's not going to. Just accept asexuality and embrace it. Because when he said to me, uh, I'm gay, and he was like crying and stuff, I go, well, who are you dating? No one. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> so who's the guy? Why are you coming out then? <laughs> I thought you wanted me to accept Carl. <laughs> this is Carl. Accept him as if he's family. <laughs> If a gay guy come, like, can a gay man come out of the closet as being an asexual? Is there a closet for asexuality? Yeah, they're part of it, right, Fuzz? Yeah, that's yeah, that's falling. Are the polys uh, part of it? Yep. Yeah, everybody is part, uh, especially when everybody it comes to the pride guys. march. <laughs> <laughs> they're not welcome. Did that make you feel bad when he goes, "No, no pride march," as if it was the hackest thing that ever happened? Yeah, because we are just totally opposite gays. He's against the pride march. Yeah, he has sex with men. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> That's the biggest opposite. You're just a once-a-year Pride March guy. That's coming up soon, huh? Yeah, that'll be at the end of June. Mm. I guess the last Sunday in June it always is. What are you doing for it this year? Um, I don't know. Hanging I... your mom up? <laughs> These are my people, Mom. Love them. <laughs> Accept that. We're going to a parade this weekend. Bring a big hat. Dance on this float. Dance, damn you. Are there any of the are there any of the things that are in the gay pride or the, the rainbow pride that kind of disgusting to you though? Um let's see. I don't Polygamy disgust you? Polygamy's fine with me. I have no problem with that. They can, mar uh, you know, they march along. Enough with the marching. Just as a human being, <laughs> stop thinking of life as this one <laughs> dumb three-hour fucking parade. They get a march. They get a parade. Sure, <laughs> everyone should get one. It's the only day. Um, here's uh, Chris. Chris, you're on the run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie. Yeah. Fez, you got all kinds of great stories. You can tell the time about, you know, the time that your dad stuck that garden hose up your ass. That's a great story when he washed the sand out. And, and Ronnie's right, man. Just jump into the deep end of the pool, grab that fucking bucket of crystal, and go to town. That's what he brought up. Bucket of crystal, just fucking working in and out of that ass. Get oh, that no. ass nice and oh, wide. Now, Fez's story that came out in therapy, the day that his dad washed his his ass out in the driveway with a hose, right? Yeah, we had just you come... You shit yourself? No. The thing is, we found out 
that the hose was a penis and the wash was jizz. What was the driveway? It's still a driveway. Oh. You were being raped on the driveway. It's weird to have you in this room. You're back trying it again, huh? Yeah. Yeah, what? it was out of necessity. Why, Kid Slick? Yeah. <laughs> what happened? Kid Slick was have, uh, couldn't handle no, things in here. Kid Slick I'm, I'm going to call him one, two, three. <laughs> Shelby. <laughs> they took you off that because you were fucking up? Uh, yeah, it seems that way. Are Please. you happier in there? Yeah, I guess so. I'm okay. Just... Everybody be happy in their own spot. And you seem to sit down now. All right. You seem to be happy in here. Yeah, I think I'm doing better in here. I don't know. You went back to the same ass washing thing and the same exact stories. And the pride parade. It's coming up, you know. You ought to fucking go there. You should just be driving a big fucking thresher in the Pride Parade and just be like gays for fucking wheat. Just try to stick out as be as weird as you possibly can. With a gay farmer contingent. You're going to do your uh, your mustache red, white, and blue or whatever you do it? Oh, yeah, do rainbow, yeah. Mm. And then everybody says, great mustache, mister. You're like, yes, it's our day. Can I blow you? We have Pride. And the next week is the fucking Puerto Rican Day Parade, and then the Dominicans get a day, and here come the Poles. It's parade season. Mm, West it Indies. is. Yeah. West Indies is always good. West Indies is good for grub, that's for sure. The uh, Irish get the coldest fucking parade of the year, like I, idiots. I know. It's fucking slushy most times. If they did one in fucking July, this would be the drunkest, hottest, sweatiest <laughs> fucking mix would just be exploding on the sidewalk. I'm loving it. Tonight at the Comedy Underground is the live podcast for My Wife Hates Me with Rich Voss and Bonnie McFarland and special guest Jim Norton. That's the Comedy Underground tonight, 7.30, if you want to be in the audience for that. You're back as pluggies today. Oh, yeah, doing a little plug-in. Well, the Vosses will love that. A nice plug. That's a really fun show that they do, too. Are you going down for it, Fez? No, I'm not going to go down for that. Why? Um, just with my neck and my arm, I'm a little uncomfortable. You're so on the nose. You are so... One thing that you don't have, Shelby, is Fez's honesty when you sit in here. You're always going off in your fucking crazy tangents. But he's I happier noticed that there. you and Fez are really getting closer together in the prints of your shirts. <laughs> You like that, Fez, huh? That's not, nice. I know mine hasn't changed. I'm not wearing this every day, though. No, you don't have to. Everybody do whatever they want to. Because I a dollar store. Five dollars, though. Which I thought was bullshit because it's a dollar store. Why the hell would they be charging five for a shirt? Oh, shut up, Jim Friend. God damn. Doesn't get the fucking show at all. Going after people with fire in my voice whenever they praised Ringo in any way? Ugh. Ugh. 
you always wonder, like, how could anyone who ever listened to your show not even slightly get you? You would think if you had common, had something in common with anybody, it would be listeners. And yet you find out that there are some of them out there who you're like, what? Ugh. Some are filled with hate. And those people are called haters. Well, what do they got to do? Haters going to hate. I just want to name like Jim Friend, and you know he's not. I mean, talk about a fucking <laughs> awful name. I don't feel like taking a lady trucker call as she takes on Fez, because he never really wants to, you know, he never wants to do battle anymore. So do you like having Fez in this room or Shelby? It's, it's well, since Fez has always been in this room, I like having Fez in this room. Instead of Shelby? You were just mad at Shelby yesterday. Yeah, oh yeah, real pissed, yeah. I still am kind of pissed at him. You actually did a thing where you ran out and acted like you were going to quit. You did the <laughs> funny. Maybe the fucking problem. Shelby, you have to tell Hicks how much I was laughing after he left. But yeah, he, uh, he that's what you yelled. Maybe I'm the problem, and you ran and slammed the door. I was by so you. fucking angry. But you were like the mom of the family, <laughs> you know. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Um. What the hell's going on with these phones? This phone is fucked. Here's Jay. You're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie. Um, I was calling because I was wanting to know if anything was said or any news about uh, Luis Gomez that he did the comedy in the dark last week. Uh, I think he's back. Doesn't he do his uh, thing on Thursdays? Yeah, the uh, Hammer Fist podcast. Uh, we'll we'll try and hook up with him and see how that went. That was last awesome. Thursday he was in, right? Yeah. Last Monday he was in. He came he came in. Okay. You're right. Well, he he will be in the building tomorrow, I'm saying. Yeah. Big J coming in tomorrow? Big J's coming in Thursday. Today's Tuesday. Well, that's when Lois is coming in Thursdays too, right? So, yeah, it's like later in the afternoon. Doesn't Lois. he do his Hammer of the Gods show? Yeah, the MMA pod, the MMA podcast. What's Big J been up to? He's been touring. He's doing his podcast. You have no ideas. That's why you're just throwing things out there. Yes. You don't keep up with people, do you? You don't do the check-in. I haven't checked in. I just did shoot him an email, but I didn't hear back last week. Emails aren't fucking comfortable for people. What's he sound? That's our fucking hallway right there. What's this commercial? This is Mark Goodman for Sirius XM. What's that mean for Sirius XM? There is a free listening. Uh, you can go to Sirius XM, listen for free. Uh, SiriusXM.com, I think through June 2nd. Oh, we did that before with him, right? Yeah. It's weird to look up on a TV and see your fucking hallway. He was just in the server room. I was freaked out. They always tell people to stay out of the server room, then they do shoot that's, a commercial. That's because that button's in there. That's what he pushed, the button that gave free stuff. And then he, he did the spy versus <laughs> spy, fucking look back and forth. Mm. Hey, uh, Scott, Tennessee. Uh... How you doing, buddy? Hey, Ron. Yeah. Um, bring my. I have a 14 and 16 year old daughters. I'm coming to New York uh, in June, and just kind of curious: is there anything 
you might suggest kind of fun to do. I've got, you know, some itinerary type stuff. But What kind of stuff you got planned with them? The touristy stuff. Huh? What kind of stuff you got planned with them? Uh, I mean, we're going to hit some of the touristy stuff, you know, to take, you know, photo ops. But then we're going to do a lot of fine dining. Uh, i got a lot of re- restaurants we're going to hit. So I thought, I think you have at least one girl. Uh, you know, you're gonna let, are you going to let them run around town on their own, or are you going to go with them? Oh, no, I'll be with them, for sure. Oh, because I was thinking, uh, you know, there's a lot of shopping on the Lower East Side that, that you know, girls like, a lot of Soho, you know. The, but for you, it's going to be just fucking stores after stores. It's going to be really tough for you. It's yeah, going to be difficult. With me, so she's going to kind of be with them, so I can kind of like linger and go find a bar or something like that. All right. Uh, be involved, but. Right to me, but 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 they're do- they want to do a lot of shopping, right? Oh, yeah. You know that. Okay. Write to me at at com, and I'll give you some areas. I'll check around for you a little bit. Thanks, man. All right. Peace. 14 and 15, that's like uh, it's like an awkward thing because they can't go party in the clubs and stuff. They're too young for that. Is it? Is it? Would you get in trouble for letting a fourteen, fifteen-year-old like out on their own, or is that still too? No, I think you. You know, yeah. like any time that you're going to school by yourself, fourteen to fifteen-year-old kids run around all the time here. You were fourteen on the fucking trains. Yeah. Well, but, what? Why would you get in trouble? But then? I still, I still, I think people still be like, why? Why aren't those kids with a guardian or a parent of some sort? But were you with a guardian or a parent? No. Why are these girls being treated like T- they're so differently? Times are changing. They could hang down in Rape Town. I mean, I guess that's, you know, that's always an option. I, th- I think 14 and 15, you pretty much got the run of everything. I think you're babysitting other kids at that point. See, Fez is wow. right. You're a fucking idiot. I don't know shit about kids. Good that's one. what I'm saying. Good one, Fez. <laughs> what age do you think a kid could, can go off on their own? What age would you think a kid could run around like New York or Chicago and San Francisco without any supervision? I think uh, New York, 12 years old. I think that's crazy. You can't put a twelve-year-old by himself on the subway. Someone, someone will actually say. I was going to put fourteen as the fucking age that you would say, "Okay, you kids go off, but make sure you meet back here later." I think twelve is a little too retarded. No, people, people will notice a twelve-year-old on the train. Like they would be like, "What? This doesn't look right." Are you okay, Jimmy? Yeah. <laughs> Did something happen to you? Where are your parents? Why are we doing this? Because I said the times were changing. I believe Shelby started playing it. It's a weird thing. This is tied in with Dylan. Dylan has a lot of views on how old children should be. You know, <laughs> See, that's what I'm not getting from this. Now, the old time Fez was there. You would never grab a song like that, right? No. You would never. No, just run out and grab a song. I wouldn't. I, no, I wouldn't grab Dylan for that. No. No, it's. No. Do you hear me at all? <laughs> Is there a fucking thing? Like, was there a time that you went and grabbed a song because you thought it tied into what we were talking about, or would you just have to say, "Here, get me the song"? I would have to say, "Here, get me a song." See, that's the thing. Maybe Shelby does belong in there because he's producing. You know, he's like, "Oh, can I set up a theme for the for what's going on?" Can I make a sound? You're always going to regret not fucking telling that kid, take me to a gay fucking dungeon. Use me. Just what you said to him. But you know what he, you do and he doesn't? What's that? Parades. We're proud of ourselves. We're at the parade. 
Did you watch Louie last night? Yeah, I saw Louie, yeah. Am I crazy that he should have just fake, fucking taken Pamela Adlon back in a heartbeat? I was so fucking pissed at him. He was pissed at her, you can see. I know. He but, had fury. Yeah, but whatever. So, it's, but she's still, she's still going to be with Pamela Adlon. Whatever. Yeah, what cool. is it about her that I love? No, she's she's I mean, she's hot and she's cool. I mean, it's it's just that. Like, she's, so she's, she's awesome. lukewarm. <laughs> I was actually shocked that he went that he actually left the the restaurant, the coffee shop. I thought for sure he was going to turn around. I'm glad he stuck to his guns. Why? Because he was hurt, and I think she needs to know that. She kept laughing it off. He had really serious feelings for her. But At the not, end of that last season where she took off. But you're saying that as if not talking explains that, and it doesn't. Like what you're saying, he might have been able to say, as an adult, look, I had serious feelings for you, and you took off to be with your child without staying in touch with me. And then bum husband of yours. You know, he didn't explain that. He wasn't mature about it. Now, at the same time, he's not with this great chick who, let's face it, we all know would be perfect for him. It, that's why, why it's, who cares about this crazy Hungarian broad? Whatever. No, I don't. Whatever. And when she was fucking, she couldn't even say blow dryer. Spoiler alert. You ruined that for people. She couldn't even say blow dryer. God damn it. Blow it out without even being asked. You haven't grabbed any of these because you're in front of this one. I just think she's adorable. She's a wonderful woman, and she's funny as fuck. I'll tell you, as funny as hell is Robert Kelly on that show. <laughs> Jesus Christ, he's making me laugh. All right, you know what the thing at the end when they were looking at the piece, uh-huh. they were laughing so hard? Yeah. I think they were looking at the Robert Kelly scene. <laughs> I think, I swear to God, that's my belief. That'd be very meta. That's what it is. It's meta. Like metafuckers. Exactly. They're metafucking their fu- fucking iPad. Man, that would be a great fucking name. Met- the metafuckers. Someone should buy that URL immediately. Get it. Get it! Go daddy. Not Get it! <laughs> my God, I haven't talked to her in forever, and she sent me some cigars this week. It's the lovely Janice in Chicago. How are you? Hey, sweet girl. What's up? Um, I just, I wanted to echo that last caller. Fez, it was such an opportunity <laughs> to get it. And he even likes young dudes, too. And Yeah, just like Fez. You, you could have played his fucking corner boy. Got the scraps. <laughs> yeah, you got his fucking scrap heaps, his crumbs. So it was up. not the opportunity I was looking for to go somewhere and get tied up. <laughs> Maybe you want to tie somebody up. <laughs> You're so you afraid like of gays. Porn. You do not trust gays. No, I don't trust anyone to tie me up. I wouldn't trust uh, in a straight situation to be tied up. No one's going to do that in a straight section. How long have you known us? We've never tied you up. (laughs) How about the uh, fact that you tie up Sirius XM? No one ever brings that up. (laughs) When is our big meeting? Next week? Next. A week from today. All right, we're going to fucking get those bastards. Who's not going to be there? Jason. Get him. Uh, Gil. Get him. Morale. Morale's a bit. Who? <laughs> right, who's running phones for us today? That's Andy. Is Andy part of that whack pack? No, Andy's not going to. No, Andy's not part of that. What's, what is he part of? Andy, I believe, works on different shows, goes around, helps producing and board hopping. Send Andy in here. Andy, come on. <laughs> 
Janice, thank you for the cigars and the lovely note. Oh, you're welcome. And uh, I always feel like I'm forgetting to tell you something. <laughs> Can I tell you something? I bet Janice has some real stories that she could go in that risk and tell. <laughs> Crush the room. Hey, thanks, you monster over there today. <laughs> Big Rangers fan. And I'm trying uh, to figure out what exactly your job description is here. I am uh, I engineer uh, on Lance Bass's show, Dirty Pop Live. Wow. I didn't know Lance was even still doing it. Right since, across the way on LQ, right? There. But he's bigger than life now, right? He's in L.A. We uh, we run it here, but he's doing stuff with entertainment tonight. He's getting, you know. Well, I appreciate you coming in here today. No problem. You're not. Fez has you running around as a jack of all trades. That's not true. You're an engineer. Yeah, engineer board op uh, for Lance and Bill Engvall show on uh, off the cuff on blue collar. So, do you think that Lance would have hit it off with Kevin Allison? Lance is engaged. Yeah, but I think that they would have had a good rapport. I think they would have hit it off. Good. I think they would have had a good conversation. I want you to get the story out to the Alcu guys that I have a lot of gay guys on the show here, and I'm very cool about it. Kevin Allison might be good over there with them. Mm. I'll try to cock block that, though, if I can't keep him for myself. Good. I'll give him some gay that's boring. Fess. <laughs> you know. But does anybody ever come on to you over there? No. Very respectful. Mm. Very respectful environment. Or are you unfuckable, you think? I got that bear look. Yeah. That, you know. That seems to be big. But See, this, this is the thing that men have that women don't. We're very confident <laughs> that we know we appeal to somebody somewhere. There's some freak out there yeah. that wants a piece of this. Where Kevin, he just turns out, I got that bear look. That uh, Who wouldn't go for that? Dudes That's like true. it, right? Yeah. I mean, I look like I've been living in the mountains by myself <laughs> for a year. I, they'd be all over that. It's hermit porn. What do we got, Reggie here? Reggie signed, we just signed in downstairs. Do I get a break before him, or we break after him? Uh, we break after him. Are you a Reggie Watts fan? I love Reggie Watts. Yeah, he's yeah. coming in here in a second. Janice, what's the story in Chicago these days? How's the weather? I heard it snowed the other day. I know, and they're goofy, but yeah. now it's beautiful. It's sunny and blue, and but it was <laughs> fucking snowing again. Are How many games are the Cubs back? What? How many games are the Cubs back right now? No, I don't know. Just look it up you know, for me, would funny. you? Every time we went to a Cubs game, first of all, no matter who they played, oh, who are you playing? Oh, it doesn't matter. It'll go into extra innings because Janice is going. It's always extra innings with you. Extra innings. Ten and a half games behind. All right, so that's, we're not even, we're seriously not even to June and they're ten and a half games back. How can that even happen? We're a quarter of the way through the season. How can something like that happen? Worst fucking team in baseball. If they, they stay like this, they're going to be back 40 at the end of the year. They're on pace to be behind 40. If they can't you know, do it, might as well be as bad as possible. Yeah. It's so funny. When Mike died, I thought for sure that would be the season. Oh, my God. Wouldn't that have been awful? <laughs> now you know it's not personal. You know, it's funny, too, because... Uh, when they were kids, him and his brother, his dad taught him how to take the L and stuff, go downtown. So after school, him and their Catholic buddies would all hop in the L and go to Wrigley. Mm-hmm. And when they were younger, his uncle Lou used to take him and his brother, go down to the dugout and talk Italian to Ron Santo and the whole, right. everybody on the bench would sign his programs. And it wasn't until he was older that Mike said, gee, where was my cousin, Uncle Lou's son? 
And it's like, no wonder Richard used to break all our toys. Sure. His uncle would take him and his brother and leave his... They don't know how they hurt kids. <laughs> I know. When they, when they take one and leave one behind. I know. And it's like, how did, how did Richard not make the cut? Mm. <laughs> he said, no wonder he used to break all our toys. I used to be furious, like, with my older brother and sister. Like, they would go out and party and stuff. And I'm like, how come I didn't go? And they're like, well, were you five? Why were you acting like you wanted to go to things? You're a baby. I go, I didn't feel like it. I felt like somebody was ready to hit the streets with you guys. You know? You I'm ditched still, me. Yeah, I'm still resentful. Because I really felt like, I you know, ready. I could have brought a lot to the situation for everybody. <laughs> oh, you're the best. All right, Janice. Good to talk to you, sweetie. Okay, take care. Love you. Love, luck, and lollipops. Good to see you, my man. Reggie Watts, the new season of Comedy Bang Bang airs Thursday nights at 10.30 p.m. on IFC. For more information, go to IFC.com. And Reggie's headlining Town Hall in New York City, Wednesday, June 18th. Headlining Town Hall. Yeah. Headlining. That's a big deal, dude. I, you know, I've never been to Town Hall, so uh, you know, I don't have any image of it at all. Well, it's you know an incredibly famous, you know, many many people play there of all different types of the to headline that thing. You're you know, just to be part of that is cool. Yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's I mean, especially because it's a jazz festival, which I'm kind of excited about. I've, right. I've been thinking about like approaching the show a little bit differently because of that. In what way? Do you even know yet? I don't know. I, I definitely want to have some jazzy element to it. Right. <laughs> uh, Don Waz was in here the other day and was saying he's running Blue Note now. Oh. And the, I think it's 75 years. And that was uh, who mm. Train and all those guys were on. But jazz, still alive. Rock and roll, Still alive, blues is still alive. nothing yeah. actually ever dies. No form of music once no. it's uh, invented. No, especially something that's like so fundamental, you right? Know, like jazz is, you know, also jazz is very diverse in itself. But right. um, but yeah, no, I mean that's not going anywhere. Your your approach to comedy is somewhat like jazz, I think. Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I really like to think so because uh, you know my thing was uh, especially when I was. Um, you know, I trained in jazz, jazz voice, but uh, improvisation with structure, so that you're not just like noodling around forever. Right. Know, is like it's just, it's a really it's a great combination. And I approach, you know, some people, some comedians. Uh, speaking about comedy, some comedians train with like you know Del Close, you know that right. those, those types of techniques and so forth. I'm I'm horrible at that. So I my improvisation technique definitely comes from jazz or just improvising music. It's yeah. all musical. Well, the yeah the Del Close thing. You're anchored into a time and place. Yeah. But true. your your characters <laughs> sometimes change while you're doing them. That's yeah. That's true. Yeah. I yeah. Sometimes you know it's like well now it's this. And it's like well I guess I'm going here. <laughs> no, we were heard you were late today because you forgot your lunch and had to. Go back and get it. I I did. I'm on this like <laughs> special. Uh, I don't know what you call it. Uh, diet, not diet, but you know types of food that I'm eating. What are you eating? What is? Uh, there's this. Uh, there's this crew called Sakura Life. I think it's, it's Sakura S A K A R A. Um, I started. I just got this idea when I was in uh, L A. I was filming Comedy Bang Bang, and I wanted to. I was tired of like eating like kind of 
crappy food sometimes mm. that would be there. I mean, I mean, the lunches were there were always good, but I just want consistency. So I found this like food delivery that's like organic, um, super nutritional based food. And then um, when I came back, when I was about to go back to New York, I said, you know, do you know anybody that does the same kind of thing in New York? And they're like, yeah, the people that we that we learned from this crew out um, in L.A. called the Dinner Society. Their teachers, this is their teacher's program. So you're in a cult. You're basically yes. in a cult. A, fo- a food cult. <laughs> I'm in a food cult, guys. Yeah. So what would, what's lunch going to be today, do you know? Well, lunch, uh, here, let me check. Yeah, let's go grab the lunch. Reggie Watts, the new season of Comedy Bang Bang airs Thursday nights, 10.30 p.m. Eastern on IFC. You can go to IFC.com. And Reggie, headlining Town Hall in New York on Wednesday. That's June 18th. Tickets still available at Ticketmaster.com. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> that was like, here's some intense information. Yeah, this, is, uh, this lunch is Indian spiced samosas with sweet and spicy chutney. So they bring all the food to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just bring it to you, and you and you get three meals a day. And uh, um, yeah, it's really good. You don't have to think about it, and it's it's pretty much. It's like I thought because when I was in L.A., that they would give me meat, like turkey, right. sometimes and stuff. But this has no meat in it. But it's it's awesome. It's really delicious. It's really good. I'm so not you, but you don't you don't miss the meat at all. I don't because this is a five. They do it five days mm-hmm. a week. So in the weekend, I'll usually like. I'll have a day like Sunday. I'll go to brunch and you know get some bacon and you know eggs. See, I'm into this food delivery thing, but you cook it yourself. It's called oh. Blue Apron, and really? it's like, it's almost like you cook restaurant food. What at your house? That's awesome. It's really really great. And by the way, I never cooked before I did this. Wow. And now, I think my next meal is going to be the hundredth that I've cooked. Wow. And it's only three days a week, but I'm in. I'm chopping. I'm doing stuff up. And now I'm at the point like this. I think I'm probably one of the best cooks in the world. I, how, I don't really measure it against anyone, but I'm feeling very confident yeah. in my life. By the way, when you came in and did the Unmasked with me in front yeah. of that audience, yeah, it, was awesome. it was such an amazing day. Uh, and the, there's a piece that you did when you did the pancake song that yeah. people request all the time. But something happened to us that day. Someone came up to the window started oh. to jump up and down. That's right. Do you remember who it was, Fez? I remember who it was. The Reverend Jesse Jackson. Oh, that's right. It was and Jesse Jackson. Oh, to this day, that would be the biggest viral video ever. But the company says, no, we're not going to put that out. because I go, it's not making fun of him. He did it. He came up and yeah. just started acting like a bird. Up yeah. against a glass window. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like he was trying, a bird trying to get in. It was no. one of the it's like Morris Day. Yeah, it, he really did. He went straight Morris Day. It was one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. And to this day, I have no idea how he did it. Yeah, you know, it's funny, too, because Jesse Jackson, he gave, um, a com- uh, not a commencement, but he did like some kind of special assembly at my high school, right. Great Falls High, uh, Montana, probably 1987 or something mm. like that. And I just, the thing I remember the most is it was an assembly and he kept on saying, I am somebody i am so it was like all these high schoolers from montana saying this so i was like wow what who is this man what's happening right now did he ever get to i am a bird no he didn't but he completed it because of our, our right. interview it all it all came uh full circle yes but now you're doing the comedy bang bang yeah and it's gonna be 40 weeks 
down um, some crazy amount of time. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah, it's forty episodes um, that they ordered. I guess the idea wow. is to is to have comedy bang bang on almost every single. Uh, week uh-huh. so that it doesn't seem to go away. Yeah, right. <laughs> always... But now it starts to get to be like a real job to you. You you got a job now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, there's um, yeah. I have to think about that. But I'm always trying to figure out ways to streamline how, what when I'm there, like right. like how much time. You know, what I mean, right. so like I'm like, hey guys, can I? You know, less time that I'm doing <laughs> it, the better. Because remember, I'm I'm very lazy. So. <laughs> guys, remember, I'm lazy. You're uh, you're an East Coast guy now, though. Yeah. Right? Still. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, since 2003. Since 2003. Yeah. How much is... We were just talking about Brooklyn and the changes yeah. that take place. 2003 was still somewhat as the change was happening. Mm-hmm. Now, it's like a part of Manhattan. Yeah, it's 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 very... It's changed a lot. And, I, you know, part of me is like thinking like oh i should you know i should move to a place that's more representative of right. how it was when i moved there which you know was not anywhere near what it was like even 6 years before that but like you know my thing is i like kind of holding it down you know mm-hmm. and and my neighborhood still has i live in williamsburg so there's still some pockets of original like you know original 2003 um style that spirit yeah that spirit you know like i went on a bike ride up to with my friend jake lodwick and we went up to greenpoint on Mm. the bike bike path that was close to the water and we found like some really cute cool like little streets i'd never been on before and uh and i remember we found this one like tiny section maybe like half a block long of like dilapidated concrete that meets the water with mm-hmm. spray painting all over it and like a dangerous fence. Yeah, <laughs> and I was right. like, this is what it was like, man. I remember the days you could almost cut your face on a yeah. piece of fence, you know. Um, and uh, yeah, we kind of hung out there for a while. I was like, oh, that's great. There's there's one section left. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I, it's always still, even to this day, shocking for me to hear about, oh, you got to go to this great restaurant in Red Hook because that was wow. like the most yeah. frightening thing you could ever hear. Yes. You're going Going into Red Hook, yes, and now it's frightening because it's a little more expensive than you wanted. To. <laughs> I know, I know. It's a little more money than you wanted to pay. You, you can't win. Yeah, it's, like, right. it's like it's going to get you in some way. Yeah, the worst thing about Williamsburg is the weekends. It's yeah. people literally wearing cameras around their necks. Yeah, like literally with fanny packs. Like that's a little scary. And a lot of like, a lot of my favorite restaurants, like Egg or whatever. Like on the weekend, it'll be like. Hey, I'm a I'm a kid who wants to live in a hip happening place, and I'm invited my uncle and my aunt and my grandfather <laughs> and my grandmother. We're all going to go to this kind of restaurant that's you know it's it's good enough for you guys, you know, but still kind of you know an adventure. I don't know. It's it's weird. So yeah. I kind of stay out of the neighborhood on weekends. Yeah, because you start to feel like a zoo animal. Yeah, like, totally. You know, let's see how they are in their natural habitat. Yeah, totally. What are, what are they doing? Oh, yeah, they, that's what they look like. Follow them. <laughs> let's go into a store and quickly dress up like them. Reggie Watts, the new season of Comedy Bang Bang, airs Thursday nights on IFC. That's at 10.30 p.m. in the East, ifc.com. Town Hall, that show's coming up June 18th, where Reggie's going to be high, uh, headlining there. Ticketmaster.com for tickets. And see all of Reggie's videos on YouTube at the Jash Network, youtube.com slash Jash Network. Yeah. You know, Fez, am I a little crazy here? I mean, like, Reggie's got so much happening, and we're all proud of him. And we were like, we did that interview when it was just, ha- you know, it was all just taking off. 
I think it needs to be bigger. I oh, think really? It's gotta, yeah. I think oh, okay. In the future, the next one you do, right. it's yeah. got to show the excitement that's happening. I mean, you're reading it like it's a laundry list, you oh, know? Oh, no, yeah. I mean, this guy's headlining <laughs> town hall. That's a huge deal. Yeah. <laughs> I want you know, just keep thinking that way. Uh, where do you think the state of music is at right now? It's tough to see, isn't it? It's, it's so different. Yeah, it's it's... It's hard. You know, there's like the part of me that's like a little bit like the jaded whatever, like mm-hmm. the music isn't like what it used to be. I think that um I think that what's represented and what you see in the mainstream is I think worse kind of a it's a worse quality. Um it's gotten worse. Like what's celebrated in the right. mainstream is worse than let's say ninety three and earlier. I would say, yeah. because even in the 80s, if you hated Phil Collins, Phil Collins was a badass musician and wrote some really great pop to- pop yeah. tunes, you know? So now what you get, because radio is different and radio is like, it's like, is it the internet? Is it radio? Is it like, is it a satellite that, you know, it's now we have so many streams, but what ends up averaging out is kind of like, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of it, but I will say that on the underground, there's still just as much amazing music we just don't have as many great um distributors or curators i should say it's it's tough to find for people too yeah i mean it becomes a full-time job yes to find people you know and you know you know in the 60s no one was going to find the doors, you know what I mean? Yeah, Unless yeah, yeah. they put them on the... No one was ever going to find war yeah. without some radio station saying, look, this is weird, it's different, check yeah. it out. Yes. But there's, it's almost impossible to... Even MTV brought in I know. some people. I know. MTV, 120 minutes for me, that was right. like the one, like, you know, Sunday night, 11 p.m. or whenever it was, and Mountain Time, and I would just stay up, and my mom let me stay up, and I just was writing down notes furiously, like, okay, what's this, the, the Sundays? Plan uh, <laughs> of Zymox? What is all this stuff? You know, and, uh, and my friend would look at trade magazines. He would, like, look at music magazines yeah. and get reviews and, like, then order records, you know, so he did have to do some research, but now it's a little bit, yeah, it's just a little bit harder. There's, it's such a mishmash of so many things happening that once in a while, I just have to go out. You know, live music is really kind of where it's at because right. you can't lie when you see someone live performing and you're like, wow, you I mean, I, I discovered Future Islands recently and, um, and I've been completely so, I've been so overjoyed that a band like that exists you know mm-hmm. I, I think of them as a new wave band but they're but they they have the spirit it's not that they've gone like uh, we're going to imitate music from the 80s it's just the spirit of what they're doing just happens to create that energy well that's the weird thing too if you're a kid playing music now there's decades of kind of backlog music that you're expected to know you know what i mean now if you were the beatles in a 64 you were going to go back into about 56 57 and you're like okay i got a chuck berry (laughs) there's a little richard Uh i think we're ready to start a band yeah but it's always nuts to me now that some kid will be 19 and know who the kinks are you know what i mean yeah. and you're like really uh-huh. and that's you know 45 years ago yeah. you know like they'll go over different albums with you it's shocking in a lot of ways yeah i remember going to a dinner party an old girlfriend of mine and uh the the it was probably maybe 90 i don't know 99 or something like that and uh went over to this house of a friend of her family's and they had two daughters one was 13 one was 14 
and they knew everything about anything that had right. to do with music. I was like naming, I was like, uh, you know, uh, Alien Sex Fiend. And they're like, yeah, yeah, I know about Alien Sex Fiend. I'm like, are you kidding me? A ministry? Like, yeah, ministry. Yeah. I know about ministry. Yeah, I'm, down. I'm like, what? And, you know, and I just go further and they just were connoisseurs and they were only 13, 14 years old. That's, yeah. And because they can do it from a laptop. They yeah. don't have to go downtown rooting through record stores. Yeah. You know, talking to strange men. What about this <laughs> album? What about this album? Well, come on over to my house and I'll show you all my records. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> yeah. Comedy Bang Bang is back, back Thursday nights. It's the only thing to watch. It's IFC, baby. 10.30 p.m. in the East. And Wednesday, June 18th. Get ready because the shit hits the fan at Town Hall in New York City with your headliner, Reggie Watts. Tickets are available, but not for long. Ticketmaster.com. <laughs> I was almost there. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like you were, you, you were bringing what, is it up. the right direction? Well, Am I heading there? in the right direction. All right. I just like when I expected you to shift, you started downshifting. You know oh, what I mean? Okay. I thought he's going to go for it. Right. You know, he's going to break on through. Uh-huh. That's when you leaned it back. I just, I picked up a little, uh, I'll just say timidness. Okay. That's all. Mm-hmm. all right. I'll mm-hmm. work on that. I'll have the yeah, next one ready. It. Yeah. Work on it. Make this. Susan, I love the shit's going to hit the fan. You bring right. back the old um, the old Kinnison intro, uh, but boom, let's take it up a notch. Mm-hmm. You right. know, we will do that. What yes. else can hit fans besides shit? Oh, you know? Plenty of yeah. things. Yes. Anything right. can get caught in a fan. Exactly, <laughs> baby. That's anything. What we're, that's baby. what we're talking about. All right. Oh my God. Um, if it was up to you, would you have yes. still? Would you have rather been in music for the rest of your life without veering off, or this is destiny? <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I, when I was a kid, I used to be such a goofball, uh-huh. and uh, and then uh, in high school, well, in junior high, I did some comedy, like some you know public assembly stuff, and then in high school, I did drama. So, I mean, I, I've always kind of done. Some com- some version of comedy, right. my own version of comedy, and then music was always a part of that as well. So, you know, I mean, I kind of think of them as the same thing because you you, know, you can play something really weirdly and people will start laughing. You know, I don't necessarily <laughs> you know like you, you could play a really strange solo and like uh-huh. people will just start laughing. So, music is kind of to me really pretty relatable to to comedy. It's always been weird to me. There's a lot of great comedians who were drummers when they were younger, mm. and I'm sure it's got to do something with timing. I'm sure it's got to do yeah. with pace, but it's weird. I've seen so many comics over the years sit down at, at the drums, and that that was their first love. Yeah, I guess it's true. Yeah, I mean, it's like and, you know, and we always have the rim shot, you know, with comedy right, as well. Shot. You know, so it's like there is something. I mean, there is something kind of jazzy about comedy. I think you know. I mean, it kind of came from a jazz tradition. Well, certainly the people that changed comedy for what it became. Those guys were playing in jazz clubs, later folk clubs. Yeah. You know? Um, But I think that the jazz audiences were the guys that you could experiment in front of. Yes, first. exactly. Yeah. You know, you weren't going to experiment in front of a polka audience. Mm, probably <laughs> Lenny not. Bruce wasn't going to walk out and win that room over. No, no. It definitely had to start with somewhere somewhere subversive because mm-hmm. a lot of times comedy is very um 
uh, you know, it's it it's it's espousing ideas that are that, that in certain governmental regimes would be completely outlawed. You know, True. Like, it's like they're commenting on things. I mean, great comedy to me. I mean, it can be about anything, but really some of the best comedy is social commentary and uh, the absurdity of people trying to exert control over right. other people. Yeah. It is it is very true that if you were looking for a totalitarian government, you should shut down comics oh, yeah. immediately. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, I would get rid of jazz people, too, because they make people feel things that they're not even sure why yeah. they feel them. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, music, man, it's really powerful. It's like it, there's no direct, you know, even if it's just music and there's no words to it, it's like it's still making people think and feel. And the strange thing, if you really go back to the kind of jazz people were playing in New York in the 1950s, mm. All the people who were listening to that went out and wrote books to change things in the 1960s, you know? Like, long before we even had a civil rights thing and people were doing... You look at those jazz pictures in the 50s, uptown and downtown, there were blacks and whites on stage together before Jackie Robinson with no one bringing it up. You know, no one making a big deal out of it. Yeah, And those guys went back to, if you can play, you can stay if you can't play yeah go away famous moniker <laughs> you can play today, you can't play go away hey, I mean, yeah i remember there was a story my i had a, when i went to cornish college of the arts i was studying jazz voice and one of our one of my teachers randy halverstadt i believe um a bass player the teacher um got the opportunity to play with colt uh no with miles davis wow as a as a as a uh, an emergency replacement to because some bass player had some emergency so they needed someone to replace him so he came in he's a white dude and uh miles didn't say anything to him he just had the book you know and that was it just the book and uh he's like this is the tunes we're playing and then just before they were about to go on stage behind the curtain miles turns to him and says don't play any of that white shit (laughs) 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 but like for miles it was like white wasn't necessarily the color right it was the feel you know well white to miles really represented everything well because of the oppression factor of it though but he never got rid of that so even in like the 80s and 90s he was still talking in interviews like it was pre-1962 you know and and it's tough because you know when you when you went through it but one of the funniest interviews i ever read in my life i remember i was wiping tears out of my eyes so he hated interviewers he hated the whole process and someone said miles if you only found out you had an hour to live, what would you do? And he goes, choke a white man. And it was... <laughs> How? <laughs> okay. Uh, thank you, Miles. Uh, next week on NPR, we'll be... <laughs> now, see, here's the weird thing. If you saw what Billboard did the other night with that Michael Jackson on stage... Yeah, what did they do? What did they do? Hologram? Did, yeah, you did a hologram that... People in the audience could see, and it, it was a new song. Yeah, that's right. So His new they, song, right? Yeah. So they had a dancer that they synced the computer stuff up with. Yeah. Put it up, Fez, so we could... 
uh, take a gander of it. But I was just telling Chris today, is there going to be a chance that now we'll be able to go see a Miles Davis hologram? You'll be able to go out and see Elvis holograms. It's going to get really weird, really weird, really fast. Yeah, it's it's kind of like oh they took it down. They took it down already. Yeah, of course. Why would you why would you want people to enjoy that? Yeah. That's <laughs> because keep that for billboard for the rest of yep. your life. Hey, billboard. <laughs> billboard. But this is uh, now I watched it and I'm pretty sure the hologram was lip syncing. I really don't think Weird. the hologram was singing that. Oh, you think like they <laughs> they like computer generated the, No, everything uh, is computer generated it. Yeah, cuz I mean yeah, they started doing this in uh, Japan. Right, I saw the Japanese. Then that one looks like a cartoon. Now this is in front of a bunch of, you know, people up for Billboard awards. So people who had played with Michael before were even there. Wow. It's impressive so far. It's nuts, right? For some reason, I thought they would have him do Billy Jean or something, but I didn't know that they could have him do a song that he had never done this for. Yeah. So everyone else is live except for Michael. Wow, man. That's insane. It's kind of crazy to see like the audience shots of people yeah. that are just kind of like, oh, this is entertaining. It's like, <laughs> no, this is like, this is like a technological achievement. And they're just like, oh, this is so cool. No, it's cool. Michael Jackson, he's on stage. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. Anyways, Tito? no let me, Tito. Let me check Twitter real quick. It's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? It's it's really well done. It looks good. I like how they walk through him sometimes too, just yeah. to like remind you, oh, there's people crying. That's good. That's the reaction. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. I'm like, where's some of that? Because, <laughs> oh, that's crazy. Yeah, she's behind him. Yeah. Yeah. And he's blocking her. That's great. So this must have been from a rehearsal. No, they actually, it? someone else danced. Then they computer put the oh, face, face on, it. on it. Yeah. And then had that computer thing you know lined up with the singing so Michael never had anything to do with this at that's all that's crazy just really the track. Yeah. so they just got it they yeah, recorded, recorded a dude dancing right. then put his face on it and then made it a hologram right that's in choreographed that's they, already heavy and they, so all of these are holograms I see no, the some, people, some of the people no are. the people are no? real yeah just they're Michael all real. Is the only hologram so he's the only hologram yeah Jeez. Wow. They said this cost up to $300 if you wanted to have it done. I'm going to have it done with my grandmother. Up to $300. Like, this technology will cost you up to $300. So 300 and below. I mean, 300000 That's insane. Incredible. 
Thursdays, IFC has a comedy gun to your head. Comedy Bang Bang airs Thursday nights, 10.30 p.m. on IFC. Bang Bang, you're dead from laughing. IFC.com. Then be there at the Town Hall in New York City on June 18th, because by June 19th, that building will be condemned from rocking too hard. With Reggie Watts headlining Town Hall, Wednesday, June 18th. Tickets at Ticketmaster. Reggie's original videos on YouTube.com slash Cash Network may as well be the Cash Network because this man is money. He's Reggie Watts. That one, I think, went a little too far. Too me. much? Yeah. Condemning the building? Yes. <laughs> All right. Know, I don't want anyone to yeah. actually believe that. The, the town hall yeah. being knocked call. down. I just, yeah, I just wanted it to be perfect. Okay. And not anything less. <laughs> All right. Not too much. Not anything less than just the best thing that's ever happened in the history of the world. I don't think that's too much to ask. No. Hmm. No. Is there, I don't, I'm trying to think if I'd ever go to a hologram tour. I wouldn't. I, I would say I wouldn't, except for I went to the laser light show before. <laughs> and then, yeah, but that's different, <laughs> though. Right? You're just chilling on the floor looking up at laser lights. Well, we actually got to lay in these like lazy boy things. I'll see. That's what yeah, I'm talking it was about. unbelievable. Yeah, and if you're like, you know, if you're interested in like, you know, ingesting some pot mm. um, or other things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some uh, pots or some <laughs> or some acids. Um, you know, then that's an extra special treat, and that, I would pay for that. But like, if it's like a hologram with like, it's supposed to be like a theater with seats, and you're looking at something. Right. I don't know. That seems a little little cheap. I want to do one of these and just bring a Jesus out at some church. Yeah, there you go. What have you done? I know. Look what you have done. It's like, why is he speaking More like a money. video game? <laughs> I am Jesus. This was my voice. I spoke English just like this. <laughs> they never really said what kind of speaking voice Jesus said, right? No. No. What if it was like this? <laughs> Hi, guys. Uh, do one the others as others uh, would have you have them undone. Anyways, you want some bread? No, who said that? Jesus or a cartoon cat? I don't know. <laughs> That's where they got the voice from. <laughs> There's like a secret sect of like priests that were like they mimicked his voice and just kept it alive for like centuries. That would be, you know, this is the weird thing that I heard that uh, L. Ron Hubbard used to have these little thirteen-year-old girls. Right, they were the only ones that were allowed to see him on the boat, and he would say something like, uh, "And I'm going to, you know, paraphrase for us now. Tell Chris to make sure Fez takes it over." So the little girls would go. Chris, I want to, and they would do an impression of him all the time. What? And people used to fear these little girls because they were they were the ones that would take They were the voice gossip. of Hubbard. Yeah, they were the voice <laughs> and they would take gossip back to like I don't know about this guy. What? Yes, these that's insane. Yeah. That's so insane. And that's why Tom Cruise said I have to join this religion. Of course. He's like, it's too weird not to join. I would think that they were the weirdest people in the world, except for Beck's new album is so fucking good. Something I know. Something must work there. Well, it's the, that's the that's the problem. It's like, well, with something like Scientology, it's like you you with any any uh, religion or cult, whatever you know, you divide the line at. Like, there has to be one thing that actually works, right? And that's that's what they build it off of. But it's all kind of the same thing. So it's like for Scientology, I'm sure it's like keep an open mind, and if you focus, things will happen because then you eradicate fear and you know whatever it is. And then they have a technique, and then and then extend you know beyond that point, and then you have this huge complex network of like 
a bunch of stuff on top of a really simple concept. So I think that people are talented and they target talented people, you know, um, and those talented people buy into it because that one thing that works does work. Right. So they just kind of do the other stuff. The housework yeah, around it. Right. Like people don't like, I remember growing up as a Catholic when yeah, Protestant f- friends would come over, they would see our church and almost be scared. But then they saw the shit we we're doing, and we're like, oh, "Don't worry about it. Yeah, you know right, I mean? like, right. It's not that big a deal. We're just but, drinking blood. What's supposed to be a deal? <laughs> There's this incest going and smoke. <laughs> yeah. People up and down, and they're like, "What is happening? Yeah, totally. We're like, "No, no, no. Don't even worry about it. We'll be done in 40 minutes, <laughs> and then we'll go out and play." But it's so funny when it's yours. It doesn't seem like that big a deal. Yeah, um, of course. Yeah, of course not. I re- I read the book when I was a kid, the uh, L. Ron Hubbard. Oh, Dianetics. Yeah, Dianetics. And there is one thing I do off there that if you hit your elbow like and you hit your funny bone, uh-huh. go back and put your elbow in the exact same spot uh-huh. as where you hit it, and the pain kind of goes away. Uh-huh. And I still do that. If you stub oh, a really? toe, go back and put your foot right where you stubbed it. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's like all sorts of great insights that people come up with, you know, in any kind of a, you know, when people have like a realization or a revelation or whatever, right. like they, they do get exposed to some kind of a truth, you know, quote unquote, of some sort. Right. And, and if, and if they, you know, transmit that to someone else and someone's like, well, let me try it. And they're like, oh, actually I do. You know, there is something to that, but the, the problem is the complexity that comes from it. And then when you start asking for money from people right and then you start you know a weird hierarchy and then you have like gatekeepers to knowledge like well you have to go through i have the knowledge so you'll have to like work through the system get to a level nine and then you know whatever it is and that's like the thing that i just don't uh, agree with because i think like you know i I remember meeting a friend of mine i didn't know she was christian you know i grew up catholic but then after a while i was like i don't know what i just i'm just a person yeah and the universe is amazing place so but i had a friend of mine she had a bible on the beach in seattle like 1995 or something like that and i was like what's what's that for she's like oh um yeah i read it um i guess i I, I call myself a christian like oh that's cool and she just kind of improvised she just read the Bible and just like took the things that she thought yeah. were cool and then used that for her life. And I, and I was like, that's, that makes more sense to me than, um, necessarily going so hardcore into one direction. Cause you know, Catholicism has, I went to Catholic school, went to Sunday school, I was confirmed and went to church. And then my mother was French. So we'd go to France to, to visit relatives. We go to church there as well, Easter Sunday. All that stuff. So I know I love the ritual. Yeah, ritual is always fun. The smell, Mm -hmm. the sounds of the echoes. And I really loved that part. The part where like they would be like, this is the reality. (laughs) When someone someone can walk on water or whatever, (laughs) it's like, this is the reality. I'm not going to say I don't absolutely not believe it. But I... I say that it is it is improbable, but it's not impossible. But I believe that for everything. So I'm not going to like wholeheartedly go, you know, you're an idiot because you don't believe in this thing. Yeah. Like that doesn't make any sense to me. It's like no one has that right. But, you know, you said the best line, though. The universe is already amazing. Like that Cosmos TV show that comes on Sunday's night. It is mind-blowing 
what we've already figured out. I mean, the yeah. amount of atoms it takes to be me and you in this table, yeah. and how far those atoms are away from each other compared, and the most thing, I, I'm, I'm my mind is is screwed up just watching it. Yeah. I'm just pausing and going, what, what, <laughs> what? There is so much great shit that yeah. you wonder why we don't feel somewhat special just about being here right I now. Know. I you know. know. I, I completely agree. I always say that. I'm like, I said a quote once on, on Twitter. I said something like, um, "There is, uh, yeah, there's, there's, there's more." Some, I'm paraphrasing myself, but it's like there's more <laughs> amazingness in the universe than religion could ever hope to achieve. Yeah, and, and it's like. All of the crazy things that you read in these various religious texts that like describe crazy supernatural events or, or what have you are nothing compared to what you can see when you look into a scanning electron microscope or you look through the Kepler observatory or yeah. w whatever. The things that we see in space just with our eyes and instruments are blow it away. Like they don't even compare. And yet, for some reason, we need some metaphor for that amazing sure. feeling because sure. we know we feel part of something. Yes. That's another place that music is great for that. Yes. Comedy with the laugh, music with the beat, yeah. uh, nature for just all inspiring. So we have to go, okay, how do I make this worse and more boring? How do I bring this down and put it in a book yeah. rather than just being mind blown? Yeah. Just mind blown. Well, you can't have a bunch of people like in awe of the universe all the time who's gonna like you know transport the gas yeah <laughs> who's, who's gonna make the clothing that you wear you know what i mean essentially that's like in the old school days it's like the opiate of the masses or whatever it's yeah. because they needed a system that kept people focused and unified so that they could accomplish greater more complex things so you don't go to get gas and the guy's just yelling this is amazing <laughs> we're all alive do you feel it Every breath is your love. Just fill it up, I mean, please. that would, yeah, totally. but that would please. actually make a, it would make sense. To it would. That way. I know that there are. There's probably some guys that are going to write it. It's like oh, I, I transport gasoline every day, and I, have, I'm, you know how much pressure it takes to uh, transport gas from Mohosen. But yeah. I mean, like, I mean, there are people. Like, I mean, it's you know, of course, everybody, all sorts of cats, like in jobs that you'd be like, oh, it's kind of a mundane thing. Also view it as something kind of incredible. Sure, you know. Well, the uh, the Zen thing was always chop wood, carry water. That you do the smallest things over and over mm. until you feel that you know that you, you're just I don't know wiping your your dinner plates and is basically in a moment of prayer in a moment of you know doing that thing where you're exalting the universe but quietly and slowly mm. inside. Yeah, and it's, you know some of those guys they just feel like orgasmic. Yes. All the time, <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> and and they're like, you want to go? Nah, I'm doing good right here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they don't need to go anywhere. Yeah. They don't need to smoke anything, do yeah. anything. They got it. Yeah. Already. No, I, I know, I know. It's you know, it's it's cool. There's all sorts of stuff going on. I never fault anybody for doing whatever you know mm -hmm. choices that they want to make, just as long as they don't exert it. On right. other people and kind of lash out at people and even if that happens like i think that's where that kind of like the christian idea of like you know try essentially great religions always talk about empathy you know mm -hmm. like being able to in the moment if some guy's like you're blah 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 you fucking whatever you know yeah. they're coming at you and if in the moment instead of being completely re re reactionary you can kind of think this guy's probably really fucking disappointed with himself and something terrible has happened and it's led up to him being an asshole all the time or whatever right. and no one's ever 
told him he's never gotten a reflection that says you know you're you're better than this or you're greater than this you know so if you can somehow like right. shorten the gap of realization in that moment you can kind of navigate away from it you know and um and and produce a reaction that's unexpected for them that might shake them for a second you know? yeah because they're used to guys <laughs> swinging back at them or attempting yeah. to cuff them they think that's reality they think that's the world yeah absolutely and you know I mean, I know friends that were very angry, you know, and they would get in fights all the time. And then one day they were like, oh, man, I I don't need to do this. And then they felt really shitty for, you know, doing all this stuff to people or whatever. Sure. But and then they had to figure out a way to kind of live with it and be okay with it. And yeah. Sometimes finding those people and saying, I'm sorry, you know, it's yeah. kind of like a self AA. Yeah. A little amends <laughs> like, Hey, yeah. uh, you remember those two decades I was married to you? I was screaming at you all the time, bringing up your weight. Hey, sorry. My I bad. hope this is enough. My bad. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. Sarzies. Yeah. The amends thing is, uh, is always spectacular because if someone ever comes to you with an apology, yeah. it is so absolutely rare yes. for a real apology yeah. to show up. Because most apologies are like, you know, I was bad. You were too, Reggie. Yes. You, yeah, you started, but yeah, Really? Yeah. Now you're apologizing for both of us? Yeah. Or they want that. They want yeah. you to tell them like, oh, it's totally okay. Right. Like they, they kind of, it's either or, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's harder to just say like, I'm really sorry for this, and you're really sincere. And whatever their reaction is, it's like you, you know, that's what you know. You got to be ready for whatever, but right. but at least you're trying. You know? But see, that's that thing that you were talking about is stop trying to control everything around you. Yes, you know, be about your own fucking scene. But when we hate religions, is when they decide what their neighbors should be doing. This is the kind of community. And if a girl has sex, then we all take her out in the desert and we throw rocks at her yeah. until she's dead. Yes, and we think we got it down now. Yeah, yeah, it's like, that makes sense. It's like, yeah, do you think that's a good system? Oh, definitely. Anything that makes people very fearful, you know, about living in general, that's definitely got to be. It's like, yeah, well, I'm I'm into it. Let's yeah. do it as a culture. Sure, yeah. let's do it. Sounds fun. First person to come up with that. I want him with a rock now, but tomorrow. Get everybody together that we know. And we all just keep throwing rocks. I don't understand who I am. I don't understand who I Take this rock. And who throws the last rock? Oh, Somebody yeah. has to be said, right, that's enough rocks. Yeah. Or do they just run out eventually? I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's like something that I would... I only ever want to figuratively think of. It. I, think if I, if I, I don't know what happened. What would happen? Like if you if you saw that, it's just it's crazy to think like like you know even like a gun or something like that, which right. is even more kind of more impersonal and kind of like you squeeze the trigger accidentally too hard and suddenly it's like you know something happens. But a rock is like you've got it in your hand. You understand the weight of it, and right. you're gonna like consciously take the energy that it was required to throw it. At another person <laughs> in order to try to kill them right. is insane. Yeah. As a punishment. Not as because they're attacking you and you're in self defense, because you're actually going to punish that's crazy to me. Well, man. I mean, we've all like as a little kid, you've been in a rock fight with your friends, you're sure. throwing rock. Normally one person gets hit, everybody takes off running. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the end of it. Sure. To keep that going. Yes. Just until someone's dead, it must take a while. 
Yeah, it's kind of like it's. I hate to say it, and probably this is why some people are like, I agree with rock throwing, but like, <laughs> but it's it's a little, it's a cheap shot. It's like the person's bound; they're not right. able to go anywhere, and you're just throwing a rock at this person that can't defend themselves. It's now, terrible. Now we think that, of course, that's barbaric, but. Even now, what we do in this country with sure. the chemicals, that we oh, load yeah. somebody up on chemicals until they die. Yep. And that's a planned day. Yeah. It's so strange. I was invited when I was in Florida to go see the electric chair thing. Oh, Because I worked in radio. And I didn't go. And my, the, the, the woman who did the news with us, she said, I'll take the ticket and I'll go. And I go, it's going to be crazy. She goes, no, I'm pro death penalty. She came back from it going, I don't, I don't think I'm pro death penalty. Even though she knew the guy was a murderer and all that situation was so horrific. And this is why they won't put that on TV. They yeah. don't want us to see, you know, that the people can build up. They deserve to die. There should be not just electric chair, electric couch. But if you have to watch it. Yes. It's a whole different scene. Oh, man. Yeah, and people used to do that all the time, like in the Wild West. Yeah. You know, like someone would get, like, get hung or a firing squad, and people would just watch. Yeah. Like, they, at least there was, like, some weird, like, association from the pot. You know, the population could see it if yeah. they wanted to. So the relationship to it was a little bit different. But, like, when you don't see it, you just hear, like, so-and-so was killed today by, you know, um, electric chair or, yeah. you know, uh, gas chamber or whatever. Um, you just hear about it, and you're like, oh, well, good for him. You know, yeah, it's, right. it's a disconnect. And then the next thing you hear that, you know, right after that, that Kim Kardashian and is getting yes. married to Kanye in Italy. Yeah, in you Italy know, it's, or whatever. It's just news at I know. that point. Yeah, I know. It's just like this little blip, and you're like, oh, okay, well, that sucks. Yeah, he probably shouldn't have killed those people. So anyways, oh, Kanye, that's cool. Um, French toast, please. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, like, it's kind of a crazy world. It's like, I don't know. That type of stuff, I try not to. I've seen, uh, you know, uh, I've seen, like, um, you know, a defunct whatever injection table or right. whatever. It's it's terrifying, man. And it's not terrifying in the way, like, I shouldn't do crime because I don't want to end up there. It's not yeah. that. It's just terrifying in general. It, you right. know, whether the crime's involved or not. There, a, there's part of you that can't help but relate to the victim. Totally. For the first time ever, you you don't relate to a murderer until he's put in that direction, and you're like, but he's captured and the state is against him. You know what I mean? Yeah. And his arms are spread out yeah. in a Christ-like pose. Yes. And you're like, oh, I want to be one of those people. <laughs> You know, cheering why that happens. Yeah, and so, but you know, some people they do. How, they believe in it that much that, and which is fine. You can believe yeah. what you want to, but it's heavy. <laughs> I, I, I saw picnics and stuff down in Florida. They would have picnics outside and what? take the families. Yeah, they would get really fired up for some of these executions. Crazy. Yeah, it was insane. Wowzers. Well, humans, what can you do? What can you do? There you have it. We tried all we <laughs> could. We, so we, we did everything. We didn't be able, weren't able to pull it off during this show today. We have no solutions. So let's take us home with this, would you? Sure. <laughs> Comedy Bang Bang. Uh, apparently it's a big deal. There's a new season starting. Comedy Bang Bang. Hurrah, hurrah. You're not doing anything else on Thursday. So you're still up at 1030. It's on IFC. You're doing that out of spite. Uh, Reggie is headlining at Town Hall on Wednesday, June 18th. Don't worry about getting there on time. Someone's going to have to go home to get their special lunch. All right. Now you're personalizing. Their special meatless lunch. Now you're personalizing. Then they'll come back and do the show at Town Hall. Ticketmaster.com. And please feed someone's ego by checking out their videos on YouTube.com slash Jash Network. Give him all the hits he needs. He's a little insecure. 
Oh boy. Thanks for being here. Ooh. Well, you went in a whole different direction, mm-hmm. man. You really went down. Let's keep the second one. Yeah, some Let's things keep the second one and we replay this. Some things that's, just aren't good enough for some people. We'll put it in. Good to see you again, buddy. Congratulations yeah, my, for the success. My total pleasure. Always a pleasure. Yeah, here. same here, and I'll see you next time. Come okay, guys. Good. See ya. That's it for us. Take care, everybody. See you tomorrow. Uh, that's the end of my show. Dog. You know what you've been doing? You've been listening to the Ron and Fez show. It's now over, but don't worry. You can listen again and again on Sirius XM On Demand. Go to SiriusXM.com slash On Demand. Listen to Ron and Fez whenever you want. Go to SiriusXM.com slash On Demand.